The biggest problem, I think, in really in America and in the world is lack of education. As much as I love biology and I remember the mitochondria of plants and stuff, like that's <laughs> cool. Like teach somebody what debt is, okay? Teach somebody how to stay out of debt. Teach people, I guarantee that you could ask eight out of 10 people on the street right now if they know what an amortized loan is and they're going to have no idea. They're going to have no clue how it works. They're going to have no idea what's the difference, what APR means. They have no idea how much they're actually spending for these things. And it's the system wants you to be a debt slave and it's disgusting. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. Warning, and I want to be very clear here. This episode contains strong language. While Think Different Theory is primarily a clean podcast, there are certain episodes that are intended for a more mature audience. This is one of those episodes. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and you can tell we have good audio again. And I'm not sure when this is what we probably actually had good audio last episode too, but we have good audio again, guys. I got the adapter. We got to Maui and I am recording uh, on my beautiful ATR 2100 microphone again, which I love so very dearly. Um, for those of you that are tuning in for the first time or I've never listened to this before, my name is Josh Forty. And uh, the last couple episodes we did, we had a little catastrophe happen. I packed $10,000 worth of electronics in my backpack to go to Hawaii and forgot the only adapter that mattered, which is the adapter from my microphone to the computer. And um, it's just a bad day. So I had to record a couple episodes on my phone um, while we were going through. And it just wasn't the greatest audio. And one of the things that I'm like anal about is like, hey, if I'm going to have a podcast, it's all audio. It needs to have good quality audio. So we are back, which is super, super exciting. And uh, we're in Maui right now. And I got to tell you guys, my next guest, I had no, like I knew who he was. We'd actually done business together before. Um, that was a total flop, but we won't go into that. That was so, so funny. We did, we ended up making it all good. That was so funny. Maybe we'll talk about that on this episode, but I knew who he was, but I had never actually met him. And for those of you that have been following me for a while or in the internet marketing community, you may know, um, Sema. And she is, she's been a friend of mine for several years. She does a lot of Facebook ad stuff. Actually, Nick, how do you pronounce Sema's last name? It's Urzuki. Urzuki. Okay, Sema Urzuki. Uh, she's absolutely awesome. She does Facebook ads for really, really big people. She's worked with Dan Henry and Steve Larson and just a bunch of really cool people. And so this is her boyfriend. And she's like talked about him before. I've been like, he's awesome. Like you guys would get along. You need to meet and everything like that. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's cool. Maybe someday we'll meet. Well, then we get on a cruise ship together for the Modern Profits Cruise with Ross Williams. And um, Nick was on there and we meet for the first time. And like, we immediately hit it off. I was like, this dude is super cool. And then um, I think it was like the second night we were up. Uh, I think we had some cigars out and uh, we're just kind of all chatting around. And like Nick and I like started talking about, like I was listening to the conversation and he was talking about a lot like deeper stuff and like a lot of stuff that I'm into. And I'm like, wait a second. Like I like this guy even more now. So we hit it off and just had an amazing conversation that night about stuff. And I was like, this dude 
absolutely has to be on the podcast. And so we're probably not even going to talk a lot about like his major business accomplishments, just knowing him. I think we're probably going to stick more on the philosophy, religion, mindset side of things, but maybe we'll talk some business as well. But he has absolutely killed it. He's made over, was it $7 million in the past three years? Yeah. yeah seven, seven million dollars three and a half years. Yeah. In the past three years, like actual, like real legitimate business. He helps, um, <laughs> medical providers though. medical providers i'm butchering this guys but seriously he is awesome his name is nick robbins he is i'm sure going to be a very good friend of mine we have been friends for a little bit now and is absolutely awesome nick thank you so much man for coming on think different theory i am so looking forward to this oh absolutely bro super excited to be here and likewise when we started talking it was the second night of the cruise we were up to like one in the morning and i was hearing what you were talking about. i was like wait a minute no one talks like that. I need to go talk with him more. I love it, man. So I'm really excited to chat with you here and, and see where this thing goes. I love it. In fact, um, as I was waiting for you to get on here, we were having a little bit of audio issues or whatever getting on. I just finished up buying um, a bunch of new books. So by the time this podcast is out, actually, I, I will have announced this by now. So I can tell you right now, I am actually going to be writing a book. And so this is a, this is a really big like shift because I've like been putting it off and putting it off. People have literally told me for years, I've probably been told, non-sarcastically probably a hundred times from people that I should write a book. And so I finally have committed to it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to entail yet, but, um, Ben Shapiro is a big influence of mine. Um, but also like, I want to go back into like philosophy and I really want to dive into this. So I just got, um, done, uh, ordering some Plato, um, some Aristotle, some masters of Greek thought, uh, Socrates, um, Ben Shapiro, Ravi Zacharias, like stuff like that. I literally just bought, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars probably worth of books and audiobooks because I like read and stuff. And so I was like, well, that is so fitting because I feel like that's going to fit in very much a lot into some of the stuff that we're talking about. But, um, for those people that don't know you, give us like a, a quick, quick background about like who you are and what you're about. And also tell us how old you are because people can't actually see you. So like, tell us how old you are. Tell us a little bit about you and then we're going to dive into the good stuff. Absolutely, man. So I'm 32 years old and I like to, the last 15 years of my life since I've been an adult, there's really two different versions of Nick. There's the drunk, drug addict, arrest version of Nick who took seven years to get a four-year degree, um, six community colleges, two universities, three states, eight cities, all within four years before I finally settled in. And then there's the business side of me, right? I actually got a job. I started working in professional sports. I worked for the NBA and the NFL. Started a business about four or five years ago now. Um, we're up to 16 employees, do over $3 million a year in revenue and uh, growing that side out. Um, so there's really two different versions of me there, man. But uh, that's a little bit about me. I'm in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm on beach myself today. So, Dude, that's incredible. I feel like, wow, seven, seven years to create a four-year degree. So during that time, were you like, this is life. I love my life. Party central. Or were you like, I hate my life and I'm just trying to figure it all out. Honestly, it was party central. And the party started for me when I was about 14 years old, really. Oh, 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Even, yeah. You know, I mean, we got no filter on this thing, right? We can go, just go deep. Yeah, right, so I was a guy who was eating mushrooms when I was 15 years old, smoking pot, um, you know, all that good stuff. I was blessed to have a very photographic memory. So I was able to get a 4.0 and kind of do whatever I wanted in high school as long as I get good grades, what's my mom going to say, right? And I got a job and I could pay for my stuff, but, you know, drugs and, and drinking. Did your mom great. know you were eating mushrooms and smoking pot, though? She knew I was drinking. She caught me a few times. I started smoking cigarettes, you know, hung out with, I mean, I love some of my old friends, but yeah, let's just say we were we were doing some uh, knucklehead-based things. And knucklehead-based things. And it escalated and got worse and worse until I was about 17, 18, and that's when I got into eating coke and all that type of stuff, right? Um, 
then got into college and I became a major pothead. All of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to go to class. No one's watching me. And I just got really stoned all the time. And drank <laughs> a lot, you know, I had a great time. At first I have done that, not in college, but I know what that is like. <laughs> so, yeah. And it was good for the first year, year and a half. I actually got a 0.23 my first semester of college, man. They, they put me on an academic probation. I had uh, four, four Fs, a D minus and an incomplete. And uh, I'd always been 4.0 student, so I was quite a uh, alarm. I kind of figured out a little bit about college um, and how to pass the grades. But... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> a 0.3 GPA. 0.23. 0. 0.23 GPA. <laughs> yep. Like, are you still enrolled at that point? So I was on academic probation. Uh, probation. So I was still enrolled because it was my first semester. And the only reason I had anything and it wasn't a zero was because of the D minus. <laughs> right, <laughs> but what did you get a D minus in? Oh man, what did I get the D minus? Well, like, did you just show up for class one time? Is that all it was? Yeah, I just never went. And so, like in in high school, I never studied. I never did any of that stuff. Doesn't work in college. I at least I learned that I had to at least show up to the classes to right. know what to kind of look at. Yeah. And yeah, didn't work very well. My first semester was brutal. Um, but it was in like a creative writing class that I got the D minus in. It was ridiculous. That's funny. That's so. funny. Well, hey, so. Okay, so then what happened? Now I'm just intrigued. Just to keep talking. <laughs> so the next semester was great. Got friends. I got straight C's. I learned that if I went to class at least 50% of the time, I could pass. Um, is C, it was that, is that what it is? Like, I, I dropped out of college after one semester. So, like, is C's, is that what it is, a passing grade? C's get degrees, bro. <laughs> C's get degrees. All right, That's well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I figured that out. Um, the next year, I was in a serious relationship at the time, and that really fell off a cliff. And over the next year and a half, that's when it went from fun and doing drugs and having a good time to, okay, I'm miserable. Um, I've got a lot of issues. I've got a lot of internal things I need to figure out. The grades started being really bad. I started drinking a lot. I started gaining a lot of weight. Um, and it just was not a good time. It was and and for those of you listening right now, I, I'm actually looking at Nick right now because we're on like a Zoom call. You have to understand, like, I'm pretty darn skinny, right? Like me, me, Josh Forty, like I'm one of the skinniest people I know. Nick is pretty skinny as well, though. Like Nick is not a, a a big or heavy set dude by any means. So for you to gain some weight must have been some some serious stuff must have been happening. Oh yeah, man. I was about 30 pounds heavier. I stopped moving. I was always active when I was when I was younger, right? When I was doing all the smoking the weed and drinking, I was always going out. This time it was just sitting in my my house and I my circle got less and less and I really started spiraling off. I wasn't doing good in school. I didn't want to be in college. I didn't really believe in it. I was only there um, really because that's what I was told I needed to do. And that's what my mom yeah. wanted. And, uh, I always knew when I got out of college, I was going to get into sales anyway. So I'm like, fuck, why am I here? What's, what's right, going right. on? Just started going down, you know? So where'd you, I mean, I know you jumped around to like a million different schools, but like, where'd you start? Where'd you end up? Yeah. Good question. So I started at university of Nevada. It's right outside in Reno and it's right outside, uh, Lake Tahoe for those of you who are familiar with that in Reno, Nevada, um, casinos, all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Couple of years there were great, but yeah, it was it was brutal. And what did what were you studying? Like, what was the degree? Uh, what did I finance? Is what I started off studying. Uh, and what did you end up getting a degree in? I actually got my degree in finance. Okay, so you did. Fin Listen, you're a finisher, Nick. It might take <laughs> yeah, you seven years, but you finished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I did terrible in Reno. I ended up leaving after a bad breakup. I moved to Berkeley in California. Oh wow, that's super liberal started drinking. Yeah. Very, very liberal. Um, I was, my friends and my, at the time were all very conservative. It was actually 2008 too. So it was around the election and it was really interesting to observe 
the differences that went the on. The Obama election, though. Obama, the first yeah, yeah. one. The yeah, the first Obama, Obama election. I was yeah. actually in Ireland during that election, but continue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was interesting to observe what people thought was going to happen. I mean, there was times where I was on buses, and after he was elected, people were literally yelling, I'm never going to have to work again. Like, it was, it was insanity to think what people were thought was going to happen after he was elected, right? I know at hmm. some point it's probably going to get political. Oh, 100% this podcast is going to get political. It was ridiculous. 100%. I'm sitting there with my friends. I'm like, that is, you're, you're, you're so confused about what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> Things are not going to change like they think you do. I think the best summation of it ever, have you ever seen that South Park episode with Randy and uh, when Obama wins the election? I've never watched it. I mean, I think I've watched one South Park episode my whole life, dude. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, there's a great reason. That it's, it's hilarious. I'm like, never going to have to work again. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, it was in was in Berkeley, was drinking every day still, but I figured out how to get, you know, passing grades, you know, and I was yeah. kind of- Did you go to Berkeley or just move there? No, I went to Berkeley City College. If okay. you want to know how to get easy A's, go to Berkeley fucking City College, bro. It was literally like being in a sophomore in high school. Like the level of what they were actually putting out there was sickeningly, um, like not good. It was just not, it wasn't hard. Um, they let people get away with murder in there. I was just there to raise my GPA back up so I could go back and get into another university. Oh, so I was basically kicked out of university at this point because my grades were so bad. Like right. I had that one good semester of straight C's and then it just went off the cliff again. Okay, know? I don't want to completely tool on college here because I think that, you know, college has its purpose for certain things. But I just want to like make a, a comparison here just real quick. You're 32 years old. You did seven million bucks in the past three years. You did three million dollar comp- uh, like three million dollars a year. Anyone that thinks that college <laughs> is what is needed, like I don't know how to like give you a more clear and accurate picture right here that says that like college doesn't actually do anything for you unless like you actually use like you don't have to have college to be successful. You know what I mean? Like college, you can use it and it can be like a leverage point. But like you of all people, and I actually have no idea of your stance on college. I'm just assuming here, but like. College, it's good for doctors. It's good for people that need to go study the law. But as a general rule, it's not necessarily in any way needed for success. For honor, dude, and it's funny we're on this topic because my number one passion now in life is to essentially eradicate the institution that we call education. It is the biggest pile of fucking garbage ever. Um, I am so disgusted with it. You nailed it when you said that you know doctors, engineers, sure they they scientists, yeah. But that's only because I don't know what's being taught. I would imagine that they're being taught garbage as well. But for the average everyday human American who wants to make money and support their life, you are way better off going to a trade school, a technical school, learning a skill set that is going to go out there and deliver value in the marketplace so you can actually go out and make money. And they were teaching that in college. So so let me me ask you about this then. So I have a lot of friends back home that, uh, and we won't get political with it right now, but I would say that like a lot of them want to be teachers. I have a sister that wants to be a teacher, right? And so this dilemma is, hey, I think college is dumb, but I have to go to college because I want to be a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I want to teach, let's say third graders, right? Or kindergarten or whatever, right? Like this whole thing is like, I've got to go to college for it, right? So, and the the argument for that is to say, well, if you're going to be teaching children, right? If you're going to be teaching somebody else studies, you should probably first go to school to get educated on what those things are. And so I I guess my question to you is not so much of like, what should they do? Because like the current laws are already in place. It's kind of obvious what they have to do. But like, 
what's the solution moving forward? Like if you were a dictator and you could be like, snap my fingers, fix the education system, right? Like my thing is I'm like for, Hey, for those of you that are out there that actually want to be a teacher, I think you need to ask yourself the question of, do you want to be a teacher? Like actually teach in a school system or do you want to be a teacher? and teach people things. Because yeah. if you just want to teach people things, you can go make YouTube videos about that, right? Like you can literally go create an audience, you can create content and like you can literally become, like I'm a teacher, you're a teacher, right? Like, like we're teachers in, in a way. So like for my, you know, my thing is, is like, okay, like if you just wanna be a teacher, you gotta ask yourself that question, you can go teach in many different formats and ways. But if you want to be a teacher, what would your recommendation to someone that's like, no, I actually want to go be a teacher, like what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, and that's actually a great question. Um, my view, if I was a dictator, right? Cause you asked me a few things there. If I was a dictator, here's what I would do. And right, this is actually right. what I want to look into to doing is starting charter school systems with my own curriculums. Um, the biggest problem I think in really in America and in the world is lack of education. I think that there's, I you know, there's income gaps, but I really think it's the knowledge gap is the biggest thing because if you're surrounded by individuals who know how to make money, who know how to do certain things, you're going to make money. Like if by default. Not, by default. You, exactly. And no one, it's, that is such a huge factor in, in all the different gaps between income gaps, things like that. But what I would want to do is a charter school that focuses on teaching real life skills. Okay. As much as I love biology and I remember the mitochondria of fucking plants and stuff like that's <laughs> cool. Like teach somebody what debt is. Okay. Teach somebody how to stay out of debt. Teach people. I guarantee that you could ask eight out of 10 people on the street right now, if they know what an amortized loan is, and they're going to have no fucking idea. They're going to have no yeah. clue how it works. Yeah. Okay. They're going to have no idea what the difference, what APR means. They have no idea how much they're actually spending for these things. And it's the system wants you to be a, a debt slave. And it's disgusting. And really, as soon as government got involved with backing educational loans, that's when it really became nasty because now the cost of education is skyrocketing. Yet what it's producing is, is pure shit. Yeah. And take it the next level. And what's crazy to me is you've got all these, these traditional educations, right? You're a teacher. I'm a teacher as well, right? And we teach a lot of people. And frankly, there's sometimes we, you teach thousands hundreds of thousands of people, I've taught thousands, like that can be more than one single teacher can teach in their lifetime, right? But that's, that's a different discussion. I, I love teachers. And I don't want to bash from the profession. Right, that's right. not, and I don't want anyone to think that. Um, but when you look at a traditional education, right, let's look at a college, what colleges ask you to do, pay us a shit ton of money to take our tests that we can tell you that if you fail and there's absolutely zero guarantee of a job and it's going to cost you 50 grand and you're going to spend half of your time there learning shit you're never going to use again. Can you imagine releasing an info product? How fast the FTC would be up your ass if that's what was going on with absolutely zero guarantee of <laughs> anything, dude. They'd be shut down so freaking fast. You'd be in prison, right? They should be in prison. And what's also crazy, and I don't know how much you've looked into this, but it's really interesting. If you look at the technical schools and the trade schools, they have to have like 90% job placement rates or else they yeah. actually get shut down. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. And that's why they're so great because you go learn a good skill and they actually force you. But where's the accountability to the collegiate system, the educational system? One of my, sorry, I'll let you keep going. I don't no, want to dominate. The no, no, no. I, know I, I love this. I will listen to you all day. I want to just kind of narrate the conversation here a little bit for those people yeah. that are like, wow, like freaking fire hose of information here. Okay. Like, all right, Nick, like chill out here for a second. No, I would listen to you all day. I do. I'm, I'm on the same page, but I am curious, uh, two specific things that you said there. Um, first off being the, uh, the, the, the fact that like the system actually wants you to be dumb and uneducated. I want to touch on that, but, but I also want you kind of before that you talked about like, okay, you would like to have basically your own private education system that you can yeah. create. Right. I feel like in a way that is kind of, and, and this is at a, 
a very small level and a very mass level at the same time, that's kind of homeschooling, right? Because mm -hmm. like I was homeschooled growing up and okay. I grew up uh, eight kids in the family. I was second oldest or seven now. My brother passed away, but like we were all homeschooled. My, my, my older brother was, was in a private school until third grade, I think. And then we were homeschooled after that, right? I was homeschooled my whole life. All of my younger siblings, six youngers, two younger boys, four younger sisters, all homeschooled. And comparatively to every other student that went to a public school, and this is not like to brag or like to be like, oh, we're better, or whatever. But people told us all the time, you guys are smarter. You guys like are able to talk more. You're able to communicate better. Like you have a better understanding of reality. You have a better understanding of hard work. Like you know how to like show up on time. Like there's an overall... All of my homeschool friends were like, we were all like glorified anywhere we went that was outside of the homeschool community. Like, you are the best behaved kids ever, right? <laughs> and so for me, I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Like, this is just what I know. Like, I don't know any different than that because that's where I grew up. But then I got out of that and I like looked around at like the education system and I'm like, oh, the education system actually sucks. And what you're saying of like, hey, we need to create like curriculum, privatized curriculum that all follows maybe a standard, I would imagine of some sort. But um, like, I feel like that's kind of what homeschooling is allowing parents to do, those parents that have those resources. Talk to me a little bit more about what that would look like specifically with you. And I don't know if you've looked into homeschooling yeah. at all, but you know, like your thoughts on homeschooling or how you would set that up. Yeah, so I haven't gone super deep down the legal things about this, but I've spent a lot of time. I recently sold um, a majority share of my business, which I'm sure we'll get to. So now I've got a lot of, I've got a fresh path. I've got some really big opportunities and options moving forward. Um, but what it would look like, the curriculum, the number one thing, the number one thing that I would teach kids immediately, mindset, the fact that we control our thoughts, we control our behavior, we control our outcomes in life and teaching people not to be victims, which is almost in a sense, the opposite of what happens in a lot of institutions and especially higher education institutions yeah. today. That's the number one thing. The next thing I would teach is- Mindset at, oh, at what age though? Yeah. So I would start, and this is where I'm really starting to look into. Um, I, you know, when you're the ages of zero to seven, right, is when the brain is the most valuable, malleable. And that's when so much of our behavior is actually dictated by what we learn and what we do from the age of zero to seven when we're not even Just observe, yeah, what we just observe, yeah. right. And, and it's really crazy. I don't know how deep you've gone into like childhood trauma stuff. You, like, you know, a majority of us- My brother dying, yeah. Operate, yeah. Yeah, our operating systems are ran based on things that we didn't even, weren't even consciously aware of, yeah. right? So I would become very, very aware of what are we teaching these kids consciously starting at the ages of four and five, most likely probably right around the kindergarten age, right? Um, and that's when people can really start to grow five to seven. You know, obviously I'm not going to be getting deep into like, you know, neurons and, you know, <laughs> neuroplasticity of the brain and stuff and, and my, myelin and, you know, how the, how the brain works. But like, be very conscious of what's being said to these individuals and these kids and getting them to build certain belief structures that are going to help them become contributors in life and raise up our fellow humans around us. Right? I love that. And, and so I, I don't know exactly, um, the, the exact steps, but that's what it'd be. It'd be more higher level stuff. Okay. Basically pumping people up on getting them to understand that, um, you know, the key to life is raising up other humans and delivering value to other humans. That's yep. where fulfillment comes from. That's where happens. That's where money comes from. If you want to make more money, help more people. It's really like, that's it in a nutshell, you know? Yeah. Okay. So first thing you'd say is, okay, you focus on mindset, then what? Yeah. I would focus on mindset and then I would start looking to teach them about developing skills. I would teach them teamwork and I would teach them hard work. Um, in regards to, so I actually love sports. I don't know if you played sports very much, but there's a lot that you can learn from being a part of a team, from competing and, and working to, to win. 
Okay. I think that there's a really good, healthy aspect of competition. Obviously, like anything in life, there can be negative aspects in it as well. But I think that this striving to win, especially when you can work together in a team environment, is something that's really, really powerful. So I would have something focused around teamwork, team bonding, team skills, working together as a team um, in order to almost force relationship building because we've got to, I mean, humans, we're, we're social creatures. I mean, you just, all you got to look is all the depression, anxiety, and the lack of human connection we have these days. And it's, it's, it's very sad, right? So I'd focus on teamwork. And then as they grew grew up and got older, right? I mean, yeah, we're still going to teach you math and spelling and some of these core things, right? Like I'm not going to say, Oh, we're not going to teach people how to fucking read. Like, I mean, that's (laughs) not what I mean. Like we're going to teach you how to read math, arithmetic, that type of stuff. And then I would move quickly into financial literacy and delivering value in the marketplace, how free markets work and how you can raise yourself up and deliver more value to your humans. Because the more value you bring, the more you're going to, more money you're going to make, the more you're going to contribute to this world, the more fulfillment you're going to have, the more better your relationships are going to be everything, you know? Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, actually side note, the whole mindset topic. I believe that one of the key fundamental pieces of teaching a child mindset, it, uh, is, teaching them self-confidence. I believe that lack of self-confidence could very well be the single greatest reason that we are where we are at today in society because we do not have the self-confidence. And I believe that the reason so many people play the victim mentality, I believe the reason that the Me Too movement is so strong, and I'm not specifically calling out the Me Too movement. So in, you know, six years or eight years when I'm in politics, please don't take this out of context and be like, Josh hates the Me Too movement. Okay, like that's not what I'm trying to say here, like context. I'm saying the reason people are being, you know, social justice warriors and the victimized of it is because they do not believe in themselves and have the self-confidence in themselves to say, hey, I actually do go out and can control my own reality, right? I actually can stand up and make my own decisions. I don't have to look to the government or my parents or a teacher to go out and do that. I believe that lack of self-confidence is what is a huge overwhelming problem in society. And I believe that, and we're going to get to this, I know, but uh, I believe that the re- one of the main reasons that Donald Trump was elected is because jo- Donald Trump gave people confidence again, right? Confidence that they yeah. actually had a, a choice or a, a, something that they can make a difference. But side note there. Going back to the education thing, though, I'm curious to know uh, from a... Well, hold on. Let me, let, me just, let, me, let me just agree with you for your okay, next question. Yeah, yeah. Because that, in a nutshell, if you ask me what does mindset mean to you, it means learning how to develop self-confidence. And then the next question is how do you develop self-confidence? And that is becoming someone who does what you say you're going to freaking do. It's becoming a worthy human being, someone who feels good about the work they put in every single day. So teaching kids how to do that at a young age, because I cannot agree more. I 100% agree with you. Lack of self-confidence is the problem everywhere. If people just had self-confidence, the people who are self-confidence get everything in life. They get everything from money to girls, to business, to relationships, because they're not afraid to go out there and ask. They're not afraid to go out there and get shut down because if you've got great self-confidence. It doesn't matter if you're told no. I mean, right. I don't know about you. You're in sales. I've made 50,000 cold calls in four years. I was told no a lot. When yeah. I started, I was told no a lot. But guess what comes from that? A certain level of grit that most people don't, we don't develop because we, we, we baby our kids these days with the fucking participation trophies and everybody's going to get a medal and a, a ribbon and all this stuff. So I just want to say, I completely agree with you. And I love that you brought that up because that's so true when it comes to mindset. There's so many levels you can take that down, but at the end of the day, the simplest concept, developing self-confidence is the core problem with everything. And it's mind blowing to me that there's seven and a half billion people on this planet and we're all like terrified of each other. It's, we're all walking around worried about what the other one's thinking of us. And it's crazy. And the moment yeah. you realize that 
they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about where you're thinking about them. That's when everything kind of is like, oh my God, you know, you just have this, right. like, you know, like yeah. it's, it's crazy when people can realize it. So for anyone listening, if you're worried about all the time, what other people think about you, how you dress, how you look, I promise you, they're worried about what you think about them. Yeah. Right. And truly grasp that man, a certain level of freedom and self-confidence really just comes on. Yeah. There's a quote that, um, I don't necessarily agree with because it's, it's kind of, um, very like full of one selfish, but I think that in this context of what we're talking about here, that there's a lot of truth to it. It says, I used to be worried about what everybody thought of me until then I woke up one day and realized, I wonder what I think about them. Right. Like, and so it's like, Oh, this whole perspective shift of like, just simply the way that you look at it. And yeah, you know, my girlfriend and I have had pretty in in depth conversations about this topic of like, for me, I literally don't care what anybody thinks of me. I want a respect, right? From people, but I don't care if people don't like me, right? I don't care if people hate me. I don't care if it, because I'm grounded in what I believe. And when you are grounded in what you believe, now you have self-confidence. I have the self-confidence to know I absolutely believe in these fundamental truths. And unless those fundamental truths are shaken, anybody, like literally Donald Trump himself, who I'm a fan of, right, could attack me and be like, you're a terrible human being. I'd be like, sup, Donald, I'm still going to vote for you. Well, you know, maybe, but like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'd be, I'd be cool with that because I'm self-confident in that. So anyway, I think that was- And I love that you brought that up because people might hear that, right? And I think it's important because it, it also happens when people talk about being present to the moment and living in the now. And if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle, right? Um, when it talks about self-confidence, what I'm not saying is to walk around flipping everyone off. And being <laughs> <laughs> like That's not what I'm saying. Right? Kind of like when Eckhart Tolle says, breathe and be present in the moment. It doesn't mean that I don't plan the future. Right. So like, you know, you always got naysayers and people like, Oh, well, what about this? Like, no, man, I'm not saying be a jerk and not care. It's like, no, just be you fundamental truth. You explain it really well. Be you show up as you and yeah. be happy with who you are. If you like video games or you like anime or you like stuff that certain people might think is weird, whatever go out there, own it, you know, just yeah. show it. People love that when people show up, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's super, super important. But I do fundamentally believe that in order to do that, you have to know what you believe, right? 100%. Like you, ha you have to be grounded in something, at least enough to where if somebody pushes you on it, you're like, no, this is actually what I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important. Okay, I want to go and I want to move on to that, like back, back to the second question that I had with this. Specifically, when it comes to though, you talked about like, okay, I'm going to teach them the fundamental skills. I'm going to teach them self confidence and mindset. I'm going to teach them, you know, the basic things: reading, math, arith, you know, math, uh, you know, spelling, things like that. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go directly into the financial liter literacy side of things, right? I'm going to teach them about debt. I'm going to teach them how to pay taxes. I'm going to teach them about you know money and how it works and all that. Which, by the way, I am the, the biggest supporter of, right? I am absolutely in 100% agreement with that. But allow me to play the devil's advocate here for a second, all right? Yep. And I want to know your response to this. There are a lot more than I realize, and it blows my mind every time I realize that this number is bigger and bigger and bigger every time I like look at it. But there are an overwhelming amount of people out there that are like, but it's not all about money, Nick. Right? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're gonna go out there and they're gonna be like, well, what about teaching our kids to be kind? Well, what about teaching our kids to, to give to the poor? Or what about teaching our kids, to, you know, about the fact that, you know, we need to teach them about, you know, to, how to wear a condom, right? Or we need to teach them about like, that there is no God. We need to teach them that, you know, we can be whatever sex we want to be or, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw shots at those, but like, there's a lot of other people out there that are like, hey, uh, it's not all about money, Nick. We got to teach them about these other things. We got to teach them about other things that are not as important. And I have my own way to destroy that argument or, or not destroy the argument, but, but counter that argument with yeah. this. But I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. If I'm coming to you and I'm like, 
hey, it's not all about money, Nick, right? So, yeah, so I got you and, and I, I'm on this. So um, I, I'm going to allude to what I said as the foundations, right? Mindset and delivering value. So delivering value and getting good at a craft. And remember what I, I said earlier, you know, and I truly believe this. The number one thing we need to teach kids is to how to go out there and contribute to the world and raise up our fellow humans. That money is a byproduct of that. And that's it. It's it. Money is a byproduct of the value that you bring to the marketplace, to other human beings, and the difficulty or combined with the difficulty in replacing you. And so that's what I'd be focusing on. Financial literacy would be more about not letting the banks fuck you over and the Federal Reserve and all this stuff. You know, we could probably go down a big rabbit hole with the Federal Reserve. <laughs> um, but, you know, without learning how the system is, 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 run so that you can operate within it. And people that say money isn't everything, I agree. I don't spend money on much, but I'll tell you what, having years worth of expenses and things lined up certainly lowers pressure and noise in your brain and not outlasting your means and not having credit card debt and paying off my student loans and not living above my means. And even though income rises, I keep my expenses super low. It lowers pressure and noise because what's the number one reason why most people get divorced? Most reason why people are stressed because they can't pay their bills because finances come in a problem. So for those who say money isn't everything, I completely agree. I don't think it's everything and at all. I think that money is a byproduct of delivering value to the marketplace and the free market system as it should be. So you focus on that and you don't have to really worry about the money because the money's going to come if you develop your skill set and you're out there contributing value and helping other people, right? Yeah. So that's the way that I would look at it on that side yeah. of things. And the other thing I would say is the motherfuckers who, the parents who walk in on that and they say, oh, well, money isn't everything. It's like everyone, most people in societies, how they view money is so unbelievably broken. So yeah. often I want to just like shake some of these SJWs, social justice warrior idiots who are like billionaires just hoard money. I'm like, just because Jeff Bezos has shit tons of money doesn't mean you can't go get money. There is not a finite amount. Money is an infinite resource that is created based on value. All it is is belief behind a freaking piece of paper. And if you go out there and you contribute value to the marketplace, you can raise everything up. Right? People are so broken in this like, oh, there's not enough. It's not a finite thing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of shady stuff that happens in corporate Corporate capitalism, crony capitalism and all that stuff. I, I'm, I'm a capitalist, but there's issues, 100%. No, no system's perfect, right? So that's kind of my, my two-part answer. That number one, yeah. we focus on value first. It's not all about money. And number two, we need to re-educate most of the freaking adults in this fucking country about what money is too. Basically, yeah. what everyone thinks is most likely wrong because most people suck at everything. Not most people. I, it's a little aggressive, but kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people. That, that's, a to, that's a tweet right there. Like, because most people suck on everything. Well, not most people. Well, well one, so here's the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, like mind, mind fucks that for me was as I got older, when we're kids, right? We think parents and adults have everything figured out. And the older we get, and like I said, I'm 32 now, right? I'm getting close to middle age or whatever you want to call it. I look around, I'm like, nobody has a fucking thing figured out. Nobody no has, under, has any idea. We're all just trying to go out there and not be miserable before we die, to quote, right. to quote Jordan Peterson, one of my favorite dudes. So um, anyways, that's kind of a long, long answer. To oh, man, I like that. Okay, so one, one of the things that I'd like to add about that, and the only, the only thing I'm going to add on to that is because I think you're going to agree. I'd like to know your thoughts. But I had a conversation um, with, actually, I told you to, to go check out uh, Brad, uh, Brad Gibb and uh, the team over at Cashflow Tactics or whatever. Yeah. I'll, I still need to connect you with them. But um, one of the other guys on the team, there's three of them. There's uh, Brad, Ryan, and Jimmy. And um, we're working on a super cool project for them right now. I can't tell people what it is yet because it's not out yet, but like I'm, I'm working with them. And I had a call this morning with uh, Ryan from the team, getting to know him a little bit better and kind of you know match his voice and whatnot. And so I was like, okay, Ryan, like, what, like, what would you tell people? Like, what does it mean to get you know, your finances right? Like, why is it important or whatnot? And he goes, 
what you have to understand about finances is that everything in life, like life isn't all about money, but everything in life is dictated by money, right? Yeah. So like, you have to understand like, not everything in life is dictated by somebody else's opinion. Not everything in life is dictated by, you know, somebody's feelings or this or that, but everything in life, every decision that you make in life, if you are not financially free, if you do not have financial independence, every single decision that you make in life is predicated on money. Where, yep. What car you drive, where you work, how often you work, when you wake up, the clothes you buy, where you hang out, where your kids go to school, literally every single thing comes down to money. So when you can go, and I love what you said about money not being a finite resource, right? So yep. the minute you go and go and educate your children on the fundamentals, like I think that the purpose of school, pre-college, should be to educate children on the fundamentals of, of how to live well, right? Mm -hmm. Like any... Anything else like, oh, you want to go become a scientist? That's what college is for. Oh, you want to go become a, you know, a finance major or whatever? That's, that's not our job to teach you in, right. That's not our job to teach you in, you know, the K through 12th grade. It is our job to teach you how to actually set up your life in a way that you can go out and live a great life. And I think that once we understand that like money is not like everything doesn't revolve around money, but everything is determined by our view of and, and money touches everything. Right. And so I do think that's incredibly, incredibly important with that. So I love what you said on that. hundred percent, man. I couldn't agree more. Um, and it really is, it's about building correct foundations to me when you're doing a, I'll just start to forget. I love my geology, my, my high school geology teacher, by the way, but that's a fucking, that's a hobby until you, in, 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 until you go to college, right? Then you right. go in and get into a trade school, you get into a technical aspect of it and you study that. There's no need for me to need to know about geology when I'm getting a finance degree and not yeah. let alone be required to pay five grand to show up or 50 grand to show up to that freaking class. There's no, that's, that's garbage. And this right. whole idea of a well-rounded education, but you certainly aren't talking to many people who are graduating from fucking college then because they're not given well-rounded on anything. And most people find a way to either cheat or get around it or they forget everything because the way we teach in college is garbage. And especially with the new online classes where you can just find all the answers online and you just go Google search them and stuff like, so anyways. We're, yeah, we're teaching kids how to cheat. <clears throat> That's for darn sure. Um, the, the other like s simple side note on that too is when you study success, like I think everybody wants to have success in life. Success is different to each, each and every person, right? But uh, success comes through focus, right? Like success comes when you focus all of your time and energy on whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so this whole well-rounded education thing, like that's what we're supposed to be teaching kids in K through 12, right? Like give them the fundamentals of what they need and then say, hey, now, whatever you actually want to go do in your life, now go study that specific thing and have a very focus on that specific thing. But that's me here today. Okay. Well, and, and I want to I want to touch on the success thing really quick because I just love I love sharing this because this changed yeah. my my life and this goes back to the whole money isn't everything because money isn't. I mean, and Tony Robbins always says you know success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, right? Because you have to have fulfillment because if you're only chasing money um, and you realize that more money, bigger cars, bigger homes doesn't fill that fulfillment gap, then yeah, that's that's a problem. But like. To me, the best uh, definition of success I've ever heard is from Earl Nightingale. I don't know if you know Earl Nightingale. Oh, yeah. He's my man. He really opened me up to a lot of things. But success is the, the um, progressive realization of a worthy ideal, right? And that could be being a better mom, being a better husband, wife, being, um, you know, a better, better for the church, being, you know, a better employee and CEO. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be running a marathon, hmm. right? That's where fulfillment comes from, moving towards a goal, moving towards stuff. That's what we are missing so much of this day. So anyways, I just want to bring that up because I love I like that. that. It's a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. That's success. It doesn't have to be a monetary thing because everyone does have different versions of success. Right. I know right. yogis who sit on the beach and meditate all day with the happiest motherfuckers in the world. Right. And I just want to get deeper. And I, I have tremendous respect for that. Yeah. 
I'm going to be, once we get into the philosophy religion side of this, this podcast, I'm going to come back to this whole topic of success, but we're going to get back to that. All right. Going way back to earlier in the conversation, the second question that I had for you, um, not related to the education side of things of how you would structure it, but more on the side of, all right, let's talk about the system. And is the system really out to get people? Because one of the things that, um, is a important differentiation factor that I think that we need to make the differentiation of is number one, a lot of people are out there that's like, the government is out to get you, the system is out to get you, big business is out to get you, like big business is evil, big corporations, capitalism is evil because they're out to get you and they play a victim mentality, right? On the flip side of that, there is truth to the fact, at least I believe, that big corporations, particularly financial uh, institutions like the banks are screwing people over, particularly oh, yeah. on subjects of student loans that you literally can't file for bankruptcy on. And, you know, loans that are, you know, in credit card interest rates of 20, 30%, like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous in, in certain instances. So it's like, what is the balance there? And are people like, does the system really want you to be dumb? Like, is yeah. there actual ill intent by the leaders of, and I'm going to say America just because that's where we're at, but do you believe that there's actual ill intent by the leaders of America to keep people dumb and uneducated in society? Or is that simply a byproduct of capitalism or you know, an un, unregulated or unmorally based capitalism? I got you. Yeah, man. I'm with you. I 100% what you're saying. And this is where it gets really, really tricky, right? And this is where people can make the mistake, I would say, and I, 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 me as well, where we can lump entire things together and not understand that this entire group is just a subset of individual humans. Yeah. Now, I do not believe that a majority of humans wake up in the morning and want to keep people down. And for anyone who is an educator or is a teacher and is taking offense to what I'm saying, I do not think that you are intentionally harming other people. Most of you, most right. people, right? I think I am of the belief that most humans, most people want to do nothing more than take care of their family, live a nice life, have a couple laughs, be able to, you know, buy some stuff, right. And, and just be able to get by and not be in constant stress and panic. Right. So I don't think that there is that many people. I don't think that there's uh, I, and most people are not just intentionally holding people down. Do I, do I kind of buy into some of the conspiracy that there's a little group of elite who sees us as little mice running around? Yeah, I could see that shit. Because if you look at it from a big picture, it's like, man, how are more people not seeing what's going on here, right? When you start seeing outside the matrix type stuff. And so I do yeah. think there are some evil people at the very top in this world who make things happen, including in the banking system. The banking system is disgusting. And so is the payday system. Fractional banking is one of the biggest scams in the history of the world. It doesn't even make sense. Um, the payday loan system is, is gross. I'm the biggest believer in you have to take responsibility for what you sign up for. But I don't know if you've seen big stuff on what these payday loan companies do to these individuals and the way they hide stuff. It's nasty. And the way that big institutions take advantage of 18, or college kids, myself included, with um, loans that the interest begins the day you sign the loan, even though you're not going to start paying on it for four years. So they intentionally misled me. I was under the impression, oh, I don't have to make payments until after I graduate. What I was failed to be told is every single day, compounded interest for three or four years my loan was just going to fucking skyrocket. And I didn't understand that at the time. Right. And I was kind of, I, I kind of knew a little bit about finances, a little more than I would say maybe the average person at the time. And so do I think there's a lot of shadiness there? Absolutely. I think there is some diff I think there is some issues that can happen with it. Um, but I think a lot of it, man, at the end of the day, comes down to just a lack of people 
understanding what's going on. They're not even, oftentimes we don't even know that we're causing other people harm, you know, and that's where it can get scary. So to summarize what I'm saying, I don't think most people intend, nobody, very few people intentionally wake up and be like, I'm going to hold this person down today. I'm going to bring this down, right? And that's where we have to be very careful of pointing at the system versus understanding that's individuals, right? You hear it with racism and things like that all the time. Oh, I'm held by the system. It's like, where? Where are we holding it down, right? That's Ben Shapiro. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it doesn't happen. There's racist people out there, but people don't often wait. Most people don't wake up every day and be like, you know what? I'm going to hold down a minority today. Nobody does that, right? Like, and it's it's fascinating to, that's a whole different topic, but Sema, obviously I'm very familiar with minority. She's Iraqi and she's literally first generation Iraqi. And so I, I see different sides of that thing. But anyways, I'll, I'll let you go. I, I said that most people don't hold it down. I do think that, and I do buy into, and I could t- talk a lot about a, a small group of elite people who want to keep certain things happening because their their power structures could be could be damaged. I, I actually want to talk about that a little bit, right? Um, I love that you brought up the, the, the terminology of the matrix um, simply because I've done an episode on the podcast actually about how I believe that we're living in a, a matrix type of thing. Now, I don't actually believe that there is a, you know, we are in a video game or that there, you know, that God's up there like, yo, let's see how fast you can get out of this and figure this whole thing out. Like, I don't believe in like that. But I absolutely believe that the overwhelming majority of, once again, I'm going to go with America because that's what I'm most educated on, right? Um, And, you know, I have not studied an overwhelming amount of foreign policies and things like that. Religion I have, but not so much policies. So, but from America, particularly, like I do believe that an overwhelming majority of the American people are un- uneducated on uh, what's actually happening at the very, very top, right? Mm-hmm. So now <clears throat> I want to look at you. Uh, I mean, I want to talk about this because I believe you and I are on the same page there. There's these this bunch of elites at th- the top. I-, I have no idea how many people that is or whatever. Like, but there's a group of people that are basically calling the shots up there, and they're basically their argument or the argument that you will hear from them is for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. It's like to keep order, to keep, uh, you know, chaos from breaking out. And as long as you go and, you know, give people like the basic necessities as a general rule of what they need, you're going to keep chaos in, I mean, you're going to keep chaos at rest and you're going to create order in the, in the world. Right. And the argument for that would basically be like, if there was mass chaos, if everything were to fall, we would go backwards in time. We would go backwards in civilization to where there'd be a tribal style communities, right? Where everybody would kind of just be fending on their own thing. And the reason that we are able to be so technologically advanced is because we are united or, you know, led by a a small group of people at the top that have a better understanding of everything as a whole than the average person, right? And I think that, and I have to be very, very careful with my words here. I think that there is a logical, when you break free from the average like person, like you and I have, right? Like we see things, we see the world fundamentally different than I would venture to say like 98% of people in America, right? Like we fundamentally see a different. So when you fundamentally see the world differently than someone else, and you really truly believe that to be true, you would be like, no, I'm going to vote this way, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to be supportive of this, even though it might not make sense to you. Because if you actually saw what I saw, and let me go ahead and educate you on it, but like, if you actually understood it from this perspective, this makes sense. So I think that there is a case to be made, not necessarily by the elites at the top, but from that perspective to say, well, we don't know what they know at the top. Do I agree that they're screwing people over? Yes. Do I believe that they're right? Absolutely not, right? Like, I don't think that they're good people by any stretch of the imagination. However, Talk to me right now about society as a whole, because America's pretty jacked up right now, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty screwed, right? Uh, especially politically and with social justice wars or whatever. However, there's also never been a greater time to be alive, 
right? Like ever in the history of mankind. So is it okay to have some people, and this is a a loaded question, I understand. So take it how and answer it how you want. Um, Is it okay to have some people calling the shots at the top that are in their own little bubble of elitism as long as the collective good of humanity is getting better? Now, granted, I understand that better is determined by them and not actually better, but like, is there an argument for that? And if so, to what extent? Hmm. So I would need to know more about what you mean by quote unquote better. Um, oh, they can't see us, but yeah, better, right? What does that actually mean? Um, from a fundamental, fundamental situ- or, um, human hierarchy standpoint, right? We hear a lot about the patriarchy and this kind of shit, right? right. And I, I, a lot of um, what I'm about to say stems from studying Jordan Peterson, and I love him. I got to give you a shout out for him. Humans, I do think, need leadership. I think that there needs to be some sort of leadership to keep things in order. I don't believe in anarchy. I don't believe in anarchism, that type of stuff, right? I'm very libertarian with my views when, when it comes to things. And I, I'm um, very much so as well. Yeah, I, I think that there needs to be some sort of agreed upon um, agreed upon situation, how, how society is built, how things can be done, some sort of law and order to an extent, right? And so I do think that we need leadership at the top. Now, does it need to be overbearing, independent, and create a system and a society of people who rely on that group of the talk in order to survive? Hell no. That's where you fuck everything up. And it's amazing. Like you hear this quotes, you hear all these great quotes all the time, right? And here's one of my favorites. If you teach a man to fish or if you feed a man to fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? Those old sayings are really, really powerful. You think about it. And right now we're just feeding fish in a lot of ways. And we're not teaching people how to fish, how to rise things up, right? And then you've got this whole group of people saying, oh, it's impossible. You can't do it. Or it's your, your unfair situation, blah, 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 right? That is dangerous, right? And we see it over and over again. We see it with the Democrat Party and the left all the time. They, they hold their own down by keeping the vote and promising just enough on the carrot stick to bring them down and keep them going. And that what good has that done in the last 70 years for anybody? Name me, name me a thriving, you know, Democrat. We can't, right? And I'm look, there's, I have issues to pick with conservatism as well um, and libertarian. I'm not, I, don't, I don't even like to put myself in one or the other because it creates this like identity battle amongst everyone else. I have very liberal views on several things, right? I happen to be extremely against their views in regards to anything financially related and that type of stuff, right? But on the, some of the social policies, yeah, I believe all drugs should be legal. I think some of that stuff, you know, can, I think that, I think there's, there's merits that. Um, when we hold people down and we don't allow people to learn and grow and become humans that can function in the world, it is detrimental to society and we're seeing that generation come into play because of the the trophy generation no one can take shit everyone's a fucking crybaby guess what people are mean like let it go you're gonna get your ass smacked in the world like yeah i wish people would be nicer but you know it's yeah so anyways that's kind of my answer to that so well, yeah. okay but and, and let me let me dive into that and unpack that a little bit further um there's the guy i, I don't know why i can't think of his name he wrote the book called tribes um mm-hmm. uh it's a marketing book hold on i'm pulling it up right now tribes a uh, book. And anyway, in the book, he talks about uh, Seth Godin. Um, Seth oh, Godin yeah. wrote the book about tribes. And basically he's like, hey, people, like you said, they we need leaders. People want you to lead them, right? Because people want to be able to feel connected, right? Mm-hmm. And in order for a, a, uh, a tribe or a community to work well, the leader needs to be able to talk to the people. The people need to be able to talk to the leader. And the people then need to also be able to talk to each other, 
right? And yeah. so collectively, like that's what's going to go and form a healthy community or a healthy tribe around you know people, a, a, however big of the tribe or community that is. And so America, let's assume there's let's say 300 million people. I know it's not entirely accurate, but like let's say 300 million people in America, right? So let's say our, our tribe, our community is 300 million people. The leader of that would be the president. And then the, the sub leaders would be like, you know, all of the House of Representatives and the, you know, the Senate and, and all that. And then we need to be able to talk to each other. But what's happening in society today, I believe, is that we are taking away through social justice warriors and particularly through cancel culture, we are taking away the ability to have open discussions with one another. And we are mm -hmm. literally saying, if you do not fundamentally agree with everything that I say and believe, then you are wrong and you do not deserve to be here. Right. And so I guess my question is to you and the kind of the topic of what you want to talk about of like, okay, like how high up, how big of the leaders and whatnot. I guess my question is, we've never had a more populated society ever before in history, right? We have over 7 billion people on the planet. I don't think it's ever been big, like a bigger population than that, right? So on top of that, you also have never had the ability to, to universally connect with everybody in the world instantaneously at the tip of your fingers, right? So you, knew, you now have more people than ever before, and you have more ability to connect with people than ever before. And what's that causing is because there's so much of it, and because there's you know, so many people to connect with, we are losing the sense of tribe because we don't know who to connect with. We don't know who to talk to, right? We have endless opportunities. It's like going through Netflix, right? You go through Netflix, you have all the movies in the world. You're like, which one do I choose, right? And so what's happening is people are going and they're saying, okay, I'm just going to yell at anybody that disagrees with me until I find the people that agree with me on everything. And then you realize that nobody actually agrees on everything and we have this chaos. So my question is, at what point is the head leader of whatever that tribe is powerful enough or big enough to where we need to start having like multiple tribes or multiple leaderships. So you have America that's divided into 50 states, right? And I feel like we started by saying, hey, these 50 states, you guys are all responsible for your stuff. We're all going to collectively be behind one goal of America, right? But you all basically, all, 50 of you, you all do your own thing, right? So is that the model? Do we need to go back to smaller tribes of leadership, each dictating and deciding what they wanted to do on their own thing? Or is it possible to have one leader at the top that collectively can dictate, or leaders, I mean like leadership committee, whatever you want to call that, that can collectively dictate how 300 million people or 7 billion people think? Like, is that possible or do we need to dictate that at a smaller level? Yeah, so great question. Number one, I absolutely 100% think it's possible. Do I think that it's practical or can happen anytime in the very near future without fundamental shifts in the way the media operates, in the way people speak to each other and those types of things? Absolutely not. Zero percent chance. I am a much bigger believer in actually moving towards back when the states had the rights. And if you don't like what the state says, fucking move, right? Go somewhere else. Like that's, that's what it was born for. That's what it's there for. Like we shouldn't have four coastal cities decide the entire country like that. And it was designed that way for a reason. Right. So I'm a big believer in that. I think what's happening is incredibly dangerous in regards to not being able to have conversations and being able to, you know, you're instantly a racist. If I, it's, it's a really sad world we live in. If you say, Oh, I like what the president did today or this week, you know, the economy is doing good. My stocks are doing well. It's like, oh, you're racist. It's like, you didn't even notice like, what, you, what, that's, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Like, it wasn't even part of the conversation, right? So I, I absolutely think that it'd be much more effective to split up. And one thing that's always funny, right? Because the left always uses certain arguments. And again, I want to make it very clear. I have plenty of issues with conservatism. Um, the left just happens to be significantly more dangerous in, in my opinion. Um, even Joe but, Rogan, who is a massive liberal would agree with you on that one. 
Yeah, they just have to be very, very dangerous because they're fascists. And it's funny, it it's cracks me up to like no, to no end when, when they call Trump a fascist. But anyways, that's a little discussion. Now, it's funny because they always use the, the Scandinavian countries um, as the examples of like, that's the holy grail of taxes and healthcare and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, Norway's the size of Los Angeles. Like, do you realize that? Like, it's so much easier to collaborate that size of individual. Like, I want a team of 15 people. It's a bloody fucking miracle after after operating teams, right? And, and running employees and all stuff. I love my team and all that. But like getting everyone on the same page when they're sitting in the same office is hard. Walking outside and having a functioning society should blow all of our fucking minds. Like it's amazing that society <laughs> functions as well as it does. Okay. And you can't understand that until you actually have to run a team and you run a business and all these types of things, right? And I don't mean that against people. If you're a manager or leader, it's the same idea. You understand how difficult it is to get people to do the same thing. So I'm in favor of, less top power, much more power at the state level and even down to the community level and let the communities make the decisions because there's something else that I think is really, 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 really critical and I really hope becomes a, a huge topic of discussion in the near future um, to really help people's anxiety and depression levels and that is this lack of community. Um, yeah, all the, the best books on happiness, all the best, the longest living individuals, the people who live the longest, the communities that have the, the top happiness, they all have a sense of community. They know each other's neighbors. And now we live in this world where we can reach out to everyone, but we're not connected to anybody because we're not talking to people. You know? can, I, can I interject right there as a, a theory as to why I believe that is? Let's go. Okay. This goes back to the self-confidence thing. Okay. So, and, and I am a very outgoing person that can get along with pretty much everybody, right? Like I am very outgoing, energetic, have no problem making friends. And even myself, when it comes time to actually building friendships with people and actually being part of a community, struggled for a long time, and I still do, struggle with feeling a sense of worth in a community of people that has to see me multiple times, right? So like, for example, if I, when I was part of a church and I, when I was growing up, right? Um, and, and I'm in part of a church community. I just, I don't go to church cause I travel now, but, um, like when I was part of that church community or whatever, I felt like every single day that I had to like prove that I was cool enough, prove that I was worthy enough, right? Like prove my worth to these people. And I had a hard time really just feeling like I was accepted just for being me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now we have, and I'm going to focus in specifically on Instagram, but it's social media as a whole, right? We have social media as a whole, particularly Instagram, where every single day, it is literally people waking up trying to basically prove how great their life is, right? Yeah. And it's like, here's a highlight reel of everything in my life and how good it is going, right? So you take that and every single day, every person is logging in and seeing how amazingly great every single other person's life is. So they instantaneously go and say, uh, can I, uh, like, is my life that great? No, my life sucks compared to all these other people. So now when we tell them, go hang out with these people in real life, you automatically think, well, they're all cooler than I am. And by the way, all of them are thinking you're cooler than they are. And so everybody goes there and just kind of like, eh, I don't really know. So they hang out with their clicks or they don't go at all, which is why there's this massive, massive lack of community. There's massive lack of people, you know, hanging out. I mean, there's even statistics that say like there's, tons of people having less sex than ever before because people aren't actually interacting with people anymore. And so they're literally not even, and I'm not even, I'm not going to want to go down the religious aspect of having sex or not, but like, like what? Yeah. Literally that you can have, and for all my religious friends, don't get mad at me. Like you can literally have sex at the click of a button basically nowadays, right? <laughs> like at any time of day or night you can, 
And yet we're having less of it because we're afraid to actually go out and, and interact with people. So little side note. It, it, no, it's, it's amazing. And you know, what's interesting. Um, I run a, a high ticket mastermind, right? It's five figures to, to get in, um, you know, things like that. And one of the first things I tell everyone to do, get off of social media now. And so I know this is prevalent in the online marketing community specifically, right? Very big. And this is even prevalent among people who are seeing good, good amounts of success, right? In order to put down five figures, multiply figures, you got to have some, some cash flow lying around, right? And so number one thing I tell people to do, stop looking at what everyone else is doing. They are all battling their own mind. And you know what I had on, on, on my recent round on, on every you know call I got on and I started talking about mindset and I started talking about, um, you know, how much of a struggle I recognize that it is. And so I tell them to turn it down. I can only imagine what's going on for, you know, the high school kids that it's going, they don't understand because they don't have the clarity to be able to see that it's a filtered version of life. And they're the reason why so many people are putting up if it's not, look, I get it. There's Instagram people who do stuff for money and, and leads and that type of stuff. And it's part of your business and, and you're motivating people. Cool. Awesome. I do some of that myself, right? I, I do it on Instagram. I, mo I try and motivate people. I put messages out, but at the same time, I also let people know, especially when it comes to business and everything, that it's hard. It's not easy. There's no push play button. You're lazy. You need to step up and you need to, um, you know, stop looking at other people for, for what you want because it's all about that internal, you know, self-confidence there. And it's a massive problem, man. And you see it going so much bigger. I mean, the, the, the suicide rate is, is, is huge. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but for younger kids, it's, it's, it's way higher than it should be. And so much of it stems from what you're saying, you know, this filtered versions of lives and people don't have the conscious cognitive understanding of that's what it is because I fall victim to it and I know what's going on like I have an idea I mean I trust me I don't know what's going on in the cosmos in the world I, I that's one of the, the my big questions I'm always trying to search for answers right but I have an idea of what's happening to me and I still let it happen to me when I go through Instagram sometimes like oh well why am I not making eight figures yet or why am I not doing this I'm like and, and like I said it's interesting I never thought about it with like being nervous or showing up to meet individuals and I'm talking specifically about the online space but because that's where my world's been for like four years. I cut everything else off. By the way, quick side note, everybody, you are the average of the five people you hang out with, and there's nothing more powerful than that statement right there. You will become who you hang out with. Sorry, I just have to throw that in, because as someone who has hung out with people doing not so great things and then good things, and I love my, my friends from certain ages. When I was in Reno specifically, I was hanging out with some bad crowds and, and you know people in crack houses, whatever, right? But ecstasy, all that stuff. And then looking now at who the five people I'm around and what I see, it's tremendous different. It's osmosis at work. So anyway, that's a whole side note. But yeah, man, everything you just touched on, so freaking true. And it's, it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. It's, it's, yeah, it is getting worse. I, I do want to talk on, I kind of want to segue, transition this into the topic of uh, classes in America or in the world or like, yeah. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like levels of society and levels of like uh, wealth and success and, and different types of people, right? Because you look around the world, there's 7 billion people in the world, right? There is, without a doubt, there is like separation, like social separation uh, uh, as far as classes with wealth and with education and like things like that, right? And um, there's a, a topic that is interesting, this topic of world peace, right? Everyone's like, yeah, like we, we, I want to go solve world peace. World peace is impossible, all right? I, and I, I will be the first person to, to say that until... There is a second coming of Jesus, which I'm a, a pretty firm believer in the God, in God and God of the Bible specifically. Um, but, and I believe that Christ is going to come again. I believe he's going to return to earth, right? 
until that happens, I fundamentally do not believe that world peace is possible because of humans and who we are. Like we thrive off of, you know, drama and, and, you know, like discord and like things like that. And there will always be lazy people. There will always be rich people. There will always be the upper class. There will always be the lower class, right? There arguably will always be the middle class, but you know, there's always going to be this great divide of people. So my question to you is, we say that money does not equal happiness. We say that success in a financial or literal sense of, of, of finances or status or things of that nature also does not bring success or does not bring happiness or fulfillment, right? Like those things do not determine success in the, the sense of the word that we're talking about of living a fulfilled life and having success, right? So is the diversification of different classes just something that we should accept and understand that there will always be and say that that's not necessarily a bad thing because you can be rich and you can be poor and you can both be happy. And I, I believe that. I believe you can be rich or, or poor and that you can be happy. Now, that's not to say that you should stay poor or that you need to stay poor. Like you can go get rich, but that there will always be the, the, the gap. Is that an okay thing? Or should we fight to have everybody be equal? So that's a fantastic question. And it's really interesting. When you said that you believe world peace is impossible, I immediately went to the only way I view world peace being possible. And while it's not along the same, um, it's along a similar line of what you said. I am not religious. We've, we've had that discussion, but I'm extremely yeah. spiritual. And in my opinion, once we understand that there is a, a consciousness, there is a, a source, a life force, God, if you will, if you want to call it that, right, um, that connects us all and that we all can tap into that and we can all raise above that. And once we understand that we treat our neighbors and we treat each other and we treat the animals and the earth and all these things as one and look for what's best for it, that's the only way because we need to have a foundational belief. As long as there's warring religions, as long as there's anarchists and, and agnostics and now the climate deniers, which is the new religion in my opinion, by the way. The <laughs> um, and and um, you know all the wars that go on religiously, um, I don't think it's possible. Right now, in regards to your question of, is it okay if everyone is rich or poor? Again, all that matters to me is happiness, right? What makes you happy? Some of the happiest communities in the world, there's great documentaries on Netflix and on YouTube on this, are the poorest communities because they have that sense of belonging. They have that sense of community. They, they can play. They can laugh. They don't even understand some of the materialism you know, gain that advertisers like me and you literally bring to America. Advertisers are horrible, probably overall. I mean, there's good, <laughs> sense good products and you save things, but overall advertisers do a lot of negative stuff because they're the ones who force us to post all these things, right? So to answer your question, I think that it's something worth moving towards, but I think the only way you can do that is if you, we all come together under one foundational type belief. And for you, you mentioned, you know, Jesus and, and reincarnation, but I would, I would guess that what, what Jesus coming back represents and the type of lifestyle would be very similar to what I see in regards to, um, you know, the evolution of consciousness and raising up those consciousness levels and, um, you know, all that type of stuff. And that's a really deep conversation we could go down because in yeah, my view, on that's, religion, the next, that, that's the next place we're going. So yeah, yeah go for it. it is, is when I look at the, the major world religions and you look at the Dhammapada, you look at Krishna, you look at the Bible and Jesus and even in Islam and some of what is said there. Now there's some nasty things said in, in a lot of those things. The Dhammapada doesn't have a whole lot, which is for those who listen, that's, um, what the Buddha supposedly wrote, but regardless, yeah. At the core, if you look deep into the messages, they all say very similar things. There's a yeah. lot of very similar messaging that goes on inside of that. And so coming together under one foundational belief is 
I don't want to say it's impossible. It's impossible based on the way things are right now, but it is possible down the line. And I actually can see a world where everyone lives comfortably and everyone. But what about the, but, but what there's, would you not agree that there is literal evil in the world? Yes. So like what I'm saying is, is like, you look at that and I hate to use this, but for the sake of this conversation and, and the state that we are in America right now, I'm going to use this example. Once again, future, people that are analyzing this podcast for political gains and reasons, please don't take this out of context. I'm going to use the nation of Islam. I understand that Islam is you know, supposedly a nation of peace or a religion of peace and, and, and all of that. But I want to use specifically terrorism and ISIS and, and things mm-hmm. of that. I'm not, I'm in no way categorizing all Muslims or Islamic people into one category here. I am simply doing this and I'm sorry, Nick, I have to do this because it, it I get it. I, I have to clarify. Bro, saying so, facts these days is is brutal. You know, it's you're cost, it's insane. Facts, yeah. But it's I, I watched Ben Shapiro doing it, and I was like, that's actually probably a really good thing for me to start doing right now, be, considering the amount of content that I put out, because it's 100% going to be taken out of context. So, sure. but you look at people that are literally willing to strap bombs to themselves, yeah. and they believe that the best and most high way to die, that you're, I'm going to be blessed by... Allah, in the best possible way with, what is it, 72 virgins, right, is to strap a bomb to myself and blow up Christians, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, that is fundamental evil in the world, right? Like, I don't care who they is that they were trying to blow up. That is fundamentally evil, right? Okay, so let me, I'm going to challenge a little bit. Are you going to keep going with that? Because I, I'm going to challenge this. No, I, go I, for I, it. Okay, so it's evil to you. Right. Your thoughts, not to their thoughts. And that's where it's the, the knowledge gap comes into play. Remember earlier I said, the income gap, sure, it exists, but in my opinion, it's always a knowledge gap. But what I'm saying is, is those are two, like my view is that life, no matter who you are, of all 7 billion people in the world, that life is sacred, right? Do I believe that it is okay to kill certain people in certain circumstances, AKA, was I totally okay with the death of Hitler? Absolutely, right? But I still believe at a fundamental core that life in and of itself is valuable and that you should not go simply blow up people for the sake of blowing up people to go get 72 virgins in the next life. So what I'm saying is, is that while one, one may be true, one, one may not be true, right? Let, let's assume that one is right and one is wrong, okay? Like even if, let's say they even are right and I'm wrong. What I'm saying is, is there cannot be world peace there because there's always going to be people that are Christians or that are Americans that are like, F those people, we're going to go kill them so they don't kill us first, Right. And so that's no, I 100% agree with you. Just for anyone listening, I am 1 million percent in agreement with you in regards to this being evil. Where it becomes interesting, where I spend a lot of time trying to understand is how do you get to that point and how do you eradicate that? And, 100%. And is, it, is it, you know, leading that? It's the same thing I try and I, I, I spend a lot of time trying to understand how the left and especially, you know, thinks that socialism and stuff like this is, is a good idea. And obviously that's, there's a big, there's a lot that can go into it. And I'm not saying they're all full blown socialists or whatever, right. but because I agree with you, there's mass amounts of evil. And like we we're saying before, unless there is a fundamental foundational belief that all life is sacred, because I'm with you on, I believe all life is sacred to the max. I fully, I believe to, to the point where I believe that we're all connected and that we are all one, and the more you better treat your 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 brothers and sisters and other people, the better off you're going to be. And um, sorry, just for a second. Um, oh, yeah. And so to to get to your your question, the only way we can get there is if we all come together and we agree foundationally that life is sacred, no matter what you believe, 
And we just, and, and honestly, to me, it's just believe that life is sacred and that we're here to, you know, support each other and build each other up. And I don't understand, it, it blows me away how that message seems to get lost amongst religions and, and individuals and political parties as well. So, so let, let, I want to dive down that rabbit hole of life being sacred. I think we need to bring some context, context to that first. So I'm going to ask you the question and then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to that and you can kind of lead down the road of that. Yep. I want to know why you believe that life is sacred. And what makes life sacred as a general, like as a, in your belief system? And I want to do the follow-up question there to say, I want to talk about your specific beliefs of source or God, or you say that you're spiritual and not religious. I would also say that I'm a pretty spiritual person. However, I do believe in God, the God of the Bible. As of now, I, I believe that the Bible, while, while it may not be 100% you know, flawless in the English language, I do believe that it was at the very, very least when it was written, God inspired and the principles came from God himself, right? So my question to you is where, like, what do you believe in when it comes to the spirituality aspect of things and this, this source, this, whatever it is that you're calling that, where are you basing that out of? Yeah. So that's a fantastic question. And where I base it out of, and I thought, so this is an Einstein quote, maybe there, maybe he didn't say it, whatever. Either way, the concept's the same. And that is this idea of the first thing that I need to decide, and I would recommend people listening to decide is, do we live in a friendly or hostile universe? Number one, where do we, is it friendly or hostile? And then I tend to believe that we get what we look for in life. And you can prove that over and over and over again. And so when I say that life is sacred, that comes from me understanding that, you know what, nothing is either good or bad. Thinking makes it so. And so if I, if anything comes from the way my thoughts, right, because our thoughts determine our reality, we can go way deep down that rabbit hole. I'm totally down to talk about that as well. But our thoughts determine our reality. And so if I believe that life is sacred and other humans are going to be sacred, then I believe that it's going to be coming back to me because you get what you look for in life. Where focus goes, energy flows. Okay, but, but okay, so I want to go back to the good, bad thing here now. You yep. say nothing is good and bad. It's simply what we make it out to be, right? Yep. So does not that single-handedly then kind of eradicate or completely destroy your argument that, that says like that humans are sacred or that the human life is sacred. And the reason I say that is because sacred, something being sacred or something being special has a, a an underlying belief or an underlying uh, foundation that that is based in something good, right? So gotcha. like, so it, I, I, I was misinterpreting the, the definition and the context of what you mean by sacred. What I okay. mean by that is, is being friendly and loving everyone inside of that type of thing. But, in regards but it, to, is love good or bad? So love is the so love is good. Okay, so here's okay. I get where you're going with this. But okay. like, and you see what I'm saying there? Like, because yeah. you're saying like I. So j just for context of this, and I'm gonna let you you go for as long yeah. as you want on this. I fundamentally believe that there is universal good and universal bad in the world. Yeah. And I believe that in order for there to be a fundamentally good thing, meaning like. Hey, if you kill someone, that is a bad thing. I think we can universally agree, at least in, in non-terrorism case, like killing someone is a good or is a bad thing, and that you know doing other things are a good thing. However, in order for there to be good and bad, there must be a moral law, and in order for there to be a moral law, there must be a moral law giver, which would mm -hmm. be God, right? So I don't believe that good and bad, or right and wrong in this case, right, wrong, good, bad. I don't believe that those are. Uh, based off of perspective, 
as a general rule. I do believe there is absolute truth, meaning absolute good, absolute bad, absolute right, absolute wrong, because without that, I don't believe that we can be connected. I don't believe that we can say that, oh, yeah, something is sacred or that something is good, something is bad, something is right or something is wrong, unless we can universally agree upon what that good or bad thing is. Because you can't think that one thing is good and I can't think that something is good and be like, oh, that's good and that's good. Oh, that's just a matter of perspective. Well, okay, but then if I think that it's good to kill someone and you think that it's bad to kill someone, does that make it fine for me to kill you, right? So like, I'm curious to know like where you base those universal truths of good, bad, right, wrong, and, and, and of that nature. 100%, man. So here's an important distinction. This is what I believe. And really, I mean, anyone listening, this, this, it's hard to, to argue with this. So here's the thing. We're simultaneously living in two worlds. We're living in an external reality and an internal reality. For sure. Okay? We agree on that, right? So it's an inner agree, yes. world and an outer world. And, and there's two different worlds. And we can never say we're on the same one because there's what happens out here, which is all neutral. And there's internal. How do we feel internal? And my definition. Well, well, real quick though, would you say internal is mindset or internal would be spiritual? I see them as, as very similar, right? I think that the, the mindset can help dictate the spiritual. I guess I would need to know a little bit more about what you mean by the distinction. Meaning like, so like in my, in my religion of, you know, in Christianity or whatever, like there, God talks about, hey, there's the world that you're living in, the, the, the physical realm of this world. And then there is the spiritual realm, which would be the, I mean, I like to call it tripping on balls. I mean, or tripping balls, right? Like, like oh. that, that world of like, of, of God, of, of spiritual, or where the angels and the devil and God fight back and forth, basically, <laughs> like the conscious happens, like all of that, right? It's not so much just our mental state, but it's our literal mental state or, or our spiritual state of afterlife or, or life outside of the, the world that we're living in here. Gotcha. So, I mean, I, I see it as consciousness, right? I like to refer to it as consciousness. Okay. And that's so, what I believe. Oh, it, all right. It's it all internal and it's consciousness. And okay. it really is all happening up here. Okay, and cool. how I would define good and bad are states of, and I, I believe in, you know, how we vibrate. And I mean, honestly, if you just look at all we are is vibrations. Most of what we've got is literally like, it's not even solid. It's just vibrating at different levels, right? Right. So things that make you vibrate positively and negatively, right? Love, joy, happiness makes you feel good. You feel really great about it, right? And then you've got fear, anger, jealousy, apathy, right? Things that gravitate towards the love, happiness, and joy type of situation is what I would view as good. Now, fear, negative, apathy, that type of stuff is where it's the negative, and I believe in gravitating towards what those are. Now, we can sit here and say some people might feel good by killing other people. I don't really think that's necessarily where they're coming from with it, though. That's not a sign of love. Love is the highest emotion one can feel. It is the strongest emotion one can feel and is what I think that all humans want at the end of the day. We're just trying to feel love. We're trying to love each other, love our our kids, whatever, right? And so that's how I kind of define good and bad because there is no gray area in the – or I'm sorry, there's no black and white line in this because, again, external reality is neutral. We make sense of external reality. All, all that life is, is us narrating what's going on in the cold, dark world, trying to make sense of it around us, right? And good and bad comes down to the vibration levels that you are. And you can track this, right? You can track love by seeing in your EKG. You can track how you feel. Stress, right? Stress, anger, those types of things. That's the negative. That's the evil side of things. The positive is the love, the happiness, the joy. And my goal is to transcend those levels, right, of the negative, the anger, the apathy, because you can move up, right, and, and get out of jealousy if you understand more about love and happiness and those types of things. Is that a little bit more clear in regards to answer your question? I, I And I agree with you on those things, but I guess my question is, let me ask you this. Do you believe that there is absolutes in the universe? It's a good question. 
I believe that there are certain laws that we try and understand. I'm very, very, um, I'm very hesitant of getting into absolutes on a lot of things simply because everything we think we understand has essentially been proven wrong. And we still don't, we're, I mean, at the end of the day, bro, we're talking monkeys on a fucking rock flying around a ball of fire in a universe we don't understand. So I get a little worried about going into absolutes, depending on your definition of absolute. Absolute meaning that it is absolutely true in every form of the statement. Like, like an absolute statement of there is a God. That is an absolute statement, right? Sure. So like what I'm saying is, is I believe that there are fundamental absolutes that are completely unchanging, no matter where you are, who you are, what you believe, where you're located, how you were born, how you were raised, how old you are. Literally, there are absolutes that apply equally to all people universally. I don't think there's a lot of them, but I absolutely believe that there are absolutes in the world. Sure. And, and I do too. And mine will be based on emotions. Just so okay. you know, my absolutes are, are emotion based because okay. I think that everything about humans comes down to our emotions. Okay. And, and, and that's cool. I just want to make sure that we do believe that in some format or another, there are an app, there is an absolute in the universe. And for anyone that does not believe that in absolutes, they're like, oh, there is no such thing as absolutes. I would ask you, and, and I don't mean this sarcastically, it sounds sarcastically, but like, I, I really want you to think about th this next statement. If you say there is no such thing as absolutes in the universe, my question to you is very simple. Is that an absolute statement? Yeah. You know, so like, think, just think about that. And, and, I, and I mean that very genuinely because as soon as that's an absolute statement, then all of a sudden now you have absolutes. That there are yeah. absolutes. And that's, exactly. That's why I want to get context on it because when you start saying words like absolute, right. it's very, um, you can go down rabbit holes on that right. side. No, and I understand that. I, but my question, and looping back around to the religious side of things, right? Yep. How do you, like, what do you, I call it God. Yep. Whatever it is up there. What do you call yep. it? Source? Source. I, I mean, really just, yeah, source, life force, universe. Do you believe that that universe, uh, just for, for the sake of this conversation, let's just call it source, yep. all right? Let's just call it source. Yep. Um, do you believe that that source is intelligent in any format? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that that source has a, or if we accept it or, or, or receive it or, or want to have it, do you believe that you personally can have a personal relationship with that source in the form of a literal like face or human individual? Not human or I, I don't, when I think of source, I absolutely do not picture a dude in the sky with a beard. If okay, so you, you don't picture a God-like human, human no. interpreted figure. I, okay. I envision it more of a connection to a human emotion. Okay. How do you believe the source communicates? To, I, I would imagine because you believe in absolutes in some format or another, I, I, I would imagine that you believe in truth. Relative, sure. even, even, if, even if that's relative truth to you specifically, right? You would believe yeah. in you know, truth that you should live by. How do you believe source communicates truth or the way you should live to you? By emotions, by how we feel. What emotions do we have? I, I truly believe that there's primal emotions and there's positive emotions. And the emotions that raise people up, raise our vibrations, make us feel good, those are how it's communicated to us. So, and this is me genuinely, I'm not trying to like destroy your argument here. I'm actually oh, genuinely oh, curious about yeah. this, okay? So let's go back to law politics real quick. And Ben Shapiro, who we both love, right? Facts don't mm -hmm. care about your feelings, bro, right? Yep. So there's a lot of, we like to make fun of our liberal friends, right? There's a lot of social justice warriors out there 
that are, hey, I feel, I have the emotional feeling that I am, or that Bill Gates is bad. Or I have the emotional feeling that I'm a girl, even though I'm a dude. Or I, I feel as though Donald Trump is a bad person. He makes mm -hmm. me feel bad. That is a feeling, that is an emotion. Where we very much understand that facts do not care about emotions or do not care about feelings, right? Facts are facts. There are literal facts, right? So when people are like, well, Donald Trump isn't my president. Well, <laughs> care how you feel, right? Like if you yeah. are an American citizen, Donald Trump is your president, right? Like, right? so that's like a fact. So my question is going back to the side of things of emotion with you saying of like religion, you're sitting there and you're like, hey, I believe that the universe or source speaks to us through emotions. But I'm mm -hmm. saying, doesn't that seem counterintuitive? And once again, I'm not trying to destroy you. I'm, I'm genuinely trying to oh, learn. Like, doesn't on, that seem counterintuitive to you being like, well, they speak to us through emotion and what makes us feel good, that's what we should be living. Yeah, yeah, because 100%, let me add more context. Yeah, yeah, for every, sure. Every, every single thing that you just named was a negative garbage emotion and a confused emotion. And so right. if we're talking about connecting, right, I think that the more negative you get, um, a, a great, you know, a great read is David Hawkins, uh, tr transcending levels of conscious. Now, some of the stuff he says is, you know, what are people gonna have their, their thoughts on, but regardless, there's negative emotions, positive. And the more negative you are, the, the more disconnected you are from the source, the more disconnected you are from other human beings. So even though they've got negativity, that means they're just further disconnected from things. So that's, I mean, that's still coming through, right? Because God, even if you're, even from the Christian version of, you know, God in the Bible, there's negative, there's evil, there's nastiness, that type of stuff. Right. And so the negative sources and those negative emotions are us being disconnected and not aligned with the universe and um you know some of that stuff and i sound like i know i sound like a freaking hippie when i say that shit but <laughs> I, like, Don't you, you just relax and you surrender into the universe and you surrender into what's going on and you go with the flow and you live in the present moment and you appreciate the beauty you appreciate others it's going to get you further connected because everything you just named was negative and that's not what i mean by connecting and you don't build a relationship like that i think that's the worst way to go and i don't think that actually is building a relationship with the source right even mm. if you even want to call it that because i it's put tough to put certain language about um, right and i understand yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so does that make sense so because everything you said was negative right and, and that's a cutoff and that means you're not connected with shit that means that you are far away from from you know you're, you're making life tough for you you're, you're choosing to live in a, in a hostile universe by looking at everything negatively right and so i again i truly believe that the way we look at the world is what's going to be reflected back to us, right? So often our external reality is just a reflection of what's been holding in our internal reality for long periods of time. So what about things that are, and I'm going to use language specifically here, but that are determined negatively and positively by different types of people, right? And what I mean by that is, is for example, if, if I were to say F, right? The F word, uh, and yeah. I, don't, I don't swear, but like if I were to say that in front of, a large majority of people that I know in the Christian realm or even the religious realm of any sort, they would gasp in horror. I remember when um, I, I was having a, a conversation with one of my, uh, back when I was in summer camp, and I said the word damn, right? And he's like, why would you say that? And I'm like, because it's just a word. <laughs> he's like, you are literally damning, when you say damn it, he's like, you are literally damning that chair to hell, right? If you're like, damn it chair, but you're literally damning that chair in a negative context. Any language that you use is therefore a negative connotation. So when you're like F that or F you or yeah, F that S, right? Like F, you're literally putting out a negative connotation into the, the air or into the universe, you know, into to this, which a lot of people would have negative connotations with, right? 
So for someone like you who uses language, which, and I have probably more friends that use language than don't, for all of them, they're not seeing that as a negative connotation. They don't associate negativity when they swear. They might use it in a negative format sometimes, but for some people, language, and in this, I'm talking like excessive, like strong, vulgar language here, yeah. is universally a negative thing to them. And when they hear that, they're instantly associate that with negativity where you're like, well, it could be negative, it could be positive, right? So like, how do you determine if something like that is a good vibration or I mean like, or a good feeling or a bad emotion or a good emotion or bad emotion? Like, isn't there some form of universal truth there or is it all based on how you use it? So I want to make sure I'm getting to the core of, of what you're saying. And we can talk a lot about language because I've had a lot of conversations with this, even with my dad who's, who's here right now um, because he's very Christian and very, very religious. And there's a couple of things I want to say on this. Number one, in my opinion, when it comes to language, all that matters is the tonality and the, the emotion in which you're utilizing that language, right? Okay. If you're using things that come across negatively, you could, I could be saying the nicest thing in, or I could be using language that um, is no curse words or whatever, whatever is defined as a curse word right now. Um, right. <laughs> and it's, it's going to, you know, it can be detrimental to an individual or a human. It can be very abusive just by the way that I say it coming from that angry negative place. Right. And if I say something, I'm like, man, what the fuck is up? Right. And I'm hanging right. out and I'm laughing and somebody, and I would challenge someone and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Actually, if I said that and someone came in, in, in the other side, interpreted, right. Because again, that's their interpretation. Right. hundred percent. And they, and they looked at it like that's negative. That's terrible. I would wonder well, are they living in a negative or hostile or uh, a hostile or friendly universe? Why are we interpreting this the wrong way? Is the, the throat vibration a box of something that we, is that really what's the problem? Or is it the tonality of how things are said, right? And then you would just have to look in the mirror. If you get that offended by a word or a, a what's defined as a curse word, because what was defined as a curse word when the Bible came out? The, the word didn't even exist. And we just, deci somebody decided at some point along the line that fuck was a curse word. Right. And damn is a curse. Well, damn is, goes a little bit further. Damn, maybe I could at least kind of understand because there's historical context to it, right? But fuck is a made up word, right? And so, I, I, as far as going to it, I would again, I would ask the person to, to look in the mirror. Are they holding, what are they holding within that they see and are so angry about? Are they scared of their God, right? Because the only reason why well, people look at things the wrong way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, right? Because I, I, again, I'm not going to pretend to be a biblical scholar here, but they're worried that if they're around language or if they see other people, those people are going to be damned to hell and they're living in a state of fear because then that person's going to go to hell or they're cursing something or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah, so it's not, it's not so much of being, I mean, like, yeah, obviously there's a lot of Christians that would get hugely offended by, you know, that word and, you know, sure. you know things of that nature. But for a lot of... Uh, mature might be the wrong word, but for this context, more mature people yeah. that are religious in this sense, it's not so like that, oh my gosh, you're a terrible person or that I'm offended because you said that word. It is that that word in the society that we live in is overwhelmingly accepted. I mean, like we can pretty much say with a lot of certainty that that is a swear word, that like that is a cuss word that has a negative connotation to it, right? Meaning that like you might use it in a positive connotation, but if I say F, in on live television, I, oh, everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa, that is a shocker!" Because that is a like that is overwhelmingly associated with negative connotation, right? So you have that. You might be using it in a positive connotation, but I'm looking at that and I'm going, "Okay, well, um, if you're saying that, what kind of things are naturally gone? Because like words have power, right? So if that word is overwhelmingly used in a negative connotation by society." 
used when we talk about sex, used when we talked about screwing people over. He got effed over. He got effed that. You know, have that. A lot of it's negative. When you say that, even in a positive way, you are bringing everything that's associated with that word along with it, right? So when I say the word Jesus to someone who has a super negative connotation of Jesus, everything that comes along with the word Jesus, if they think it's all negative, they're going to be like, I don't like that at all, right? If, mm -hmm. if, if language has an overwhelming negative connotation to it, you're bringing all of that negative energy with it every time that you use it, right? And that's one, I mean, there's multiple different ways to look at it, but I'm trying to, to sure. explain it in this way. I, 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 I told you, now I think that's a, a, a matter of people holding on to things that don't need to be held on to. I agree with you. There is, there can be a negative connotation. Now I want to flip this on the other side, right? Because let's talk language for a second. So similar to how, like you said, there are certain Christians who would be overly offended. I think a majority of them these days kind of know they might not curse themselves, but you know, to, to function in society, you, you can't have your ears bleed every time you hear it. <laughs> right? like, it just doesn't work. Now, when it comes to words and getting offended by words, for lack of a better term, because that's kind of what it is, looking at it or judging people used by words, how do you feel about misgendering? Because that's a very, very similar thing coming from a different, you know, concept, right? Because there are certain people who are going to get very offended by the specific word and be getting mad at it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to compare the two because we start trying to police speech and saying you have to call me a certain name. That's, that's different. Right, but right. we're talking about this negative conversation. Where's, where's the difference there, right? Christians get offended by a word. Certain other people get offended by a word. I'm pretty sure you're probably like, well, it's fucking this biological facts behind it but at the end of the day all we are is just telling ourselves a story about an environment that's going on around us so my theory is on everything bro just you know just my theory is just let everything go be fucking happy as hell support everyone raise everybody up don't get offended by anything don't bring any negative anyone who knows me knows i haven't been mad in over a decade i haven't been in a fight with anyone i don't do those things so that's just kind of my philosophy for anyone listening and i love that but yeah. at the yeah. same time though you have to like you have to look at words as a whole in the, so there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, let your speech be seasoned with grace and um, that there should be no unwholesome word that comes out of your mouth, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I used to cuss like a sailor. I've used the F-bomb more than anybody like during that time. Like it was every other word at one point in my life, right? So like, I get it. But like at that time, the, the type of things, and, and I'm not, trying to place this on you because I, I've met you like you're the most happy-go-lucky awesome person ever sure. and as am I I'm pretty chill sure. too right and I don't use that word hardly ever and you use it all the time which you know so it goes to show that it can be used in that context but that doesn't mean that that like the the way upon which that word and I guess I'll have to go back and look at that specific word but I, I'm talking about language as a whole the definition of words as a whole have meaning right so like if I were to be like the definition of explicit, right? Yeah. Like it would be like having sexual intercourse with someone, ruin or damaging something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, used alone or as a noun or verb in various phrases to express annoyance comp um, uh, or impatience. So like the very definition of that word is all negative, is all negative, oh. like at, for, or sexual, sexual or negative, right? So from the very definition, I like to look at the definition of things, and I'm not trying to single out this word as a whole. I'm simply saying, okay, the very definition of strong language, overwhelmingly with, I don't know of any exceptions, I'm sure there might be, but like overwhelmingly has either a sexual or a negative connotation to them, right? If you look at, you know, if you look at the word shit, right? That's, that's literally- I, No, I, I completely agree, man. So what I'm saying and is- And like the time curse words are used in anger, 
which again goes back to my 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 uh, my my commonality here in regards to it all comes down to your emotional state, man. So I, I agree with you. There's negative ways, and sometimes using the word the curse word, using God damn, you know that type of stuff. Like that's negative, like that, and it can be really negative. It's almost always used in a negative, bad emotion, right? And so so much, and I, and I always I keep circling back to this because this has been a big revelation over the last year. Everything in life comes down to our current emotional states. What state are we in, and are we in a positive but, state or a negative state? But but that but saying that though, then says that words are different to different people. Like you saying F and me saying F and someone that's incredibly angry saying F, you're saying that it means three different things. Where yeah. what I'm arguing is saying that no, the word means what the word means, right? Like if you say it, you're oh. like, you've got to look at the actual factual definition of things because that's how things work. And you're saying, well, come at it from a state of emotion of like with the emotional frequency upon which you are. So what I'm trying to understand is if that's what you believe, if you're saying, okay, that emotion then determines whether or not something is right or wrong, positive or negative, then can you actually go and blame all the people that you disagree with, all the social justice warriors, all the people that believe something that's different than you? Can you not go and say, well, to them, they're right. They are correct. They are not doing anything wrong. If you are broke and a victim and social, it's making you feel negative because your current state of negative frequency is that way. So they're right in their own way. That's, that's true for them. It's not true for me. Is that what you're saying then? Or You know what I mean? So I, I, I want to circle back to where we're trying to get to with this, right? Because we talked about a lot of things here. Yeah. And so um, what, what, basically what I'm getting at, because we're talking in regards to to language, right? In regards to definitions. And as much as I would love for definitions to stay the same, they, they are altered all the time. All we can do is look at the recent last couple of years. A lot of definitions have changed. Um, even some of them by the books. I do agree 100%. We need to have some sort of agreed upon language in order to express certain things. Now, right. I, am less, I am less uh, rigid in regards to um, certain... Um, what's the best way of putting this? Certain specific definitions as opposed or technical definitions that Merriam-Webster decided to put out versus agreed upon definitions between human to human, right? And how we can interact and how we get things across, right? And again, I'm not proposing anarchy. I don't believe in that type of stuff. Right, right. So I I do believe that language matters. I think language is actually one of the most important things there is. I agree. Communication language, yep. Completely negative. And really the reason why I think that negativity or or language is incredibly important and self-talk specifically, but also how we communicate with people is because most individuals, myself included, don't get me wrong, I'm not a saint here, um, we, we hold on to baggage when it comes to certain words and certain things and it becomes very negative on it. And that can, you know, doesn't matter how you use it, right? I was having a conversation with my dad today about, you know, discipline. And discipline can have a very negative connotation to it. We always talk about, I need more discipline, I need more of this. But guess what? Where the first time you heard discipline was when you were like a five-year-old kid and you're like getting in trouble, right? So wouldn't a better word to be use commitment. So I think we're probably on a similar page when it comes to, you know, the, the words in, in verbiage. But what I would challenge people on who do get offended by words, what's the difference, again, between someone getting offended by, by fuck, even though it says something in definition, because Lord knows the definition of whatever gender pronoun is probably going to change here next year. Then are you going to say, if it, okay, if Merriam-Webster says this or dictionary.com says this, I can no longer disagree with that definition or look at it a different way? 
No, be, because I would like the way that I determine definitions and, and I, I look at it as I look at facts. Once again, I try to take emotion out of almost everything. And I go like, look at the definition of marriage, for example. People are like marriage is, you know, like marriage could be gay marriage. Well, no, like literally, and, and we go down this rabbit hole, but probably don't have time. But like people are like gay marriage is a thing. I'm like, no, literally, you don't understand. Like gay, it's, gay marriage isn't, it's not even a thing. Like it doesn't exist. And then people are like, how dare you say that? I'm like, no, like literal, the definition of marriage is man and woman. Like, listen, if you want to go screw another dude, right? Religiously, I think that's wrong, but I think you should be able to do it, right? Like from a political standpoint, like do whatever the heck you want. Just don't call it marriage, right? Because I'm like, when I'm like, hey, I'm going to drink water and it's vodka, right? You can be like, no, I'm drinking water. It's like, well, no, it's, it's not water. It's actually vodka. So don't change. And I'm saying, so like, from a definition standpoint, what I'm saying I, is- I, I got to challenge you earlier, bro, because I see what you're saying. And I actually, I, we, we tend to agree on that. People can do whatever they want in their own lives. I think the government should stay out of everything. Completely stay out of it, 100%. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, marriage did start as a religious ideal. Like that's, it's pretty hard to argue that, um, you know, whatever. But, and, and again, right. I'm very pro, just for anyone listening, I am extremely pro, do whatever you want in your sex life, as long as it doesn't involve little kids and you people, whatever the hell they want. I don't care about that type of stuff. Right. Where I tend to draw a problem is when you start forcing things. I mean, just so you know, we're on the same page. I the, the most dangerous slope you can go down is me forcing, me being forced to call somebody by a specific pronoun or right. by their name. I'm not forced to call you Josh. I do not have, that's an agreed upon social you know, interaction here. We right. don't have to call each other the same name. So, but I want to go back to this because your definition, when you say facts, facts is marriage from this. The facts are that fuck, it, it by the definition says one thing, Right. Who's to say that um, the facts of, if the, if the definition of fuck changed to happy and excited and elaborate and Merriam-Webster changed it, then would you be okay with it? There's a difference between... Uh, Do you see where I'm going with that though? It's like, yeah, because yes, these but, are agreed but, upon definitions. Right, but just, I would not use the word, that word, if it meant happy and positive because the the fundamental root of the word, like where it was formed was in a negative connotation. So what I'm saying is, is that if you go back to the, and, and maybe I need to look into the, the origin of that word, but when you go back to the origin of marriage, right? The very beginning of marriage, marriage was a biblical principle ordained by God. Okay. That is where it came from. Okay. So when you look at that and you go marriage specifically, and I'm going to get back to the, 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 the F word here in just a second, marriage specifically was ordained and created by God. The definition, the original definition of marriage was between a man and a woman. That is the, the original definition. Now, if Merriam-Webster comes and says, hey, marriage is now two individuals that love each other, I'm going to say, you know what? That might be the current society's definition of marriage, but that is not the original meaning of that word upon which I believe to be true in the Bible. Now, in the case of the F-bomb, now we're talking about something that is a non-religious topic and we're just talking about a, a casual word as a whole. What I'm going to say is I want to look at the original way upon which a word was formed. So if the original context of the F word was negative, then from here on out, I would never use that word because the original context upon which it was created was negative. However, okay. if it started as positive, and then I would use it. And then if it went to negative, I would not do it. But then if it went back to positive, then I could. So, so hold on. I, I, I agree with you. And I don't want to, the, the marriage thing is a whole nother conversation. A whole nother thing, right. Typically ordained and all that type of stuff, right? And I don't even say I necessarily agree or disagree on that one. Like that, that I, I get what, do you say ass? No. I mean, 
I mean, it's a donkey, bro. I do say it, but I don't n- not on the right. But it's a, it was a donkey, right? right? And for those of you, that, for and one, the one thing I want to point out for the people listening who might be like, "What are you guys talking about?" This is actually one of the most important discussions one can have because again, it all goes down to what me and Josh funnel. We have to have. A, a foundational principle of what we agree upon on certain ideals and what things are, and we can't just go around changing the definition. So this is actually really an awesome conversation. But ask, it was an animal. I just looked up. It's an animal of the horse family, which is yes, typically but here's, that's but, the but that goes back to what I said though. If it starts negative, I don't use it. If it starts positive, fine. But as soon as it becomes negatively negative, as like as, accepted by society, negative, then I might not. Be, hold on, hold on. I might not believe the word is wrong. I don't believe that saying the word ass is wrong, right? I've used the word ass before. But However, you do believe saying the word fuck is wrong. I do believe say word word 99% of the time that it is used. I okay. have used the I have used the term that that word and I have used it in what in a in a sense upon which I believe it is appropriate. Here's when I believe and and this is up for discussion, but when the F word is appropriate, when certain strong language is appropriate is when it's appropriate, which means it is a strong language for a reason. So if I am truly, really trying to get my point across and I'll use a perfect example when I was young, right? My dad took me out to the barn one time because I was mouthing off to my mom and I didn't mouth off to my mom once. I mouthed off to my mom for like six straight months, right? And my dad pulls me out to the barn, dry, comes up and says, listen, if you mouth, mouth off to your mother one more time, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, right? And I was like, whoa, right? Like, come totally, like, what? And I knew at that point that that was really serious. Why? Because he didn't use that type of language when he was talking about punishing me unless he was incredibly, incredibly serious. So do I think my dad was wrong or sinning to use that language in that context? No, right? If someone were to come to me and listen, and, and I'm out of control, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm on stage, I'm yelling at someone, and they pull me aside, and they're like, listen, you need to stop, you need to chill out. And I go right back on stage, and I keep going, and then they pull me aside again, and they're like, listen, Josh, you need to shut the up, right? Like, you need to just go. I don't think that they're wrong in saying that, because they need to, like, literally go. And when I cannot, with normal words, get my point across in a way that makes sense, when I need to use stronger language to further emphasize the point that I'm trying to make, I have no problem with strong language. However, it needs to be done in a one-on-one setting, in a very in the setting to where it's not going to be taken out of context. I couldn't go up on stage and be like, y'all, shut the up, right? Because that could be taken out of context for so many people. If I have a problem with that, I can use that strong language in a setting where it's not going to be taken out of context, where it's not going to offend someone else. And when I'm emphasizing a specific point to a specific person, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally get it. I think that there's, um, there's a lot of conversation to be had there for sure, because it's language. It's interesting when you talk about language, because it is so powerful. And I do think that is a really, really big thing. Um, I do find it interesting, you know, having these types of conversations. I appreciate sharing stuff because like, I've always been kind of mind blown that, that there's individuals who are offended by vocal tonality, especially (laughs) when that vocal tonality positive like a voice box right i'm pointing for my throat right. for anyone that's putting my throat when it comes out of voice box to me what's offensive and you know this being in sales tonality is everything so it all comes again so much comes down to the emotional states and and um you know living positively and happy and and all that type of stuff because i've just i, I struggle to um 
just care what anyone says if if it's coming from a positive state. Now, unfortunately, there's so much negativity that goes on that you know it can all be you know taken the wrong way. Right, right. I get what you're saying, and it's an interesting conversation. No question about that, bro. I think I think I want to end with this because we could talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, I want to end uh, this topic at least with this thought yeah. of I think the discussion that needs to take place first, which we kind of already have discussed about a little bit, um, is the basis upon if there is absolute right, universal right and wrong for everybody across the board. Because if you do not believe that there is universal right and wrong across the board for everyone, then all of the arguments upon which you're saying of like tonality and emotion and things like that make total sense. But as soon as you go and fundamentally believe that there is universal truth for everyone, not like universal truth as a whole, universal truth like for every single human being that's true for everybody across the board, then all of a sudden, now it comes into, okay, who determines what that universal truth is and what is that intelligent person who has now created that moral law of universal truth say about specific language and specific words. And so I think that the discussion that needs to be had, which is totally for a different conversation, is I don't believe in emotion, that emotion plays as much in what is right and wrong as you do, which is fine, right? We, I think we fundamentally maybe disagree on how much levels of emotion play into things where I believe that there is a, a universal set of truth that says, hey, if you follow these guidelines, like th- this is absolute right and absolute wrong. It's very small. There's only a very few pieces of it. And then the rest of the Bible, the rest of what I believe basically says, if you want to live a great life, here's the rule. Or here's the way to do that. Right? Like, I believe that in order to be saved and go to heaven, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is it. The the pre-qualification to get into heaven, I believe, and we can talk about this more on another episode. We'll have you back on 100%. But like, (laughs) I believe fundamentally that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that God is a real person, that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins. Like if you fundamentally believe that, you're going to heaven. Now, you could be a jacked up person, but if you believe that, if you fundamentally believe that to be true, then you're going to heaven. Because if you fundamentally believe that's going to be true, then you're going to live in accordance with what that is. Now, you might not believe that the Bible is true. You might be like, well, this is true or this is true. But if you believe that on, on Jesus it's Christ- definition of fundamental, you're right there, because who determines that? Jesus Christ. But it's all based on an emotional state and what you go out and do, right? And just to clarify, I want to make sure that you guys, anyone listening, I am not some motherfucking SJW- I'm going to listen to Iowa. Oh, there we go with the cussing, right? Excited. There we go. Boom. <laughs> when it comes to, when I talk about emotional states, I, I do not believe that we govern or we dictate based on feelings in the, the way Shapiro talks about it. Okay? Yes. What I'm talking about is how we identify whether things are positive or negative based on how we feel internally. We all know when we're feeling positive, we're unhappy and joy and love. We all know we're negative. All negative states, that is lower levels of consciousness, negative bad things happening. All the SJWs, all the people are crying in safe spaces. They're coming from negative places, which is why negative events are happening and their lives are becoming negative because they're looking at the world on it, right? So I want to make that very clear that I don't, I don't think that just because someone feels bad, we need to cater to them. I, that's the, I, I believe the exact opposite. What, what I want to make sure we're, we're under understanding of, and you might, even, even if you dis, disagree, I just want to make sure understanding of it. Right. That's how you can help determine right and wrong because it's a right. very, very difficult thing to determine right from wrong. Because again, we can use something like 9-11. There's a group of people in, across the world that celebrated that. We were killed, crushed by it. How can we have the same event 
two completely different reactions to it, right? Now, I would argue that they're coming from a place of negativity and they're not actually feeling love and peace and connection on it, but they can still think that they're being good and going for it because oftentimes success, things that are good can still be coming from negative places, right? Mm. You know, desire and things like that. There's a lot of negativity and I know you know that from the Bible and some of those things, there's, there's can be negative. For sure. I just wanted to hit on that. Now, yeah, I think that's really quick. I, I know we've been going for days, bro. But um, last thing I want to say, because you just talked, brought up something that I do want to come back and talk about. Because yeah. I, and in the next one, I want to pick your brain um, a bit more and ask you some questions on this because this is fascinating to me. And I never get to have conversations with, with I, I've always been looking for someone to have a religious conversation with who I can ask certain questions to. Yeah. It um, sees things a little bit similarly. Now, my question is, when you talk about getting to heaven, all that type of stuff, what are your thoughts on the verse, the kingdom of heaven is within? I believe that, oh man, that is a long, how do I I summarize this verse from the Bible? And I think it's the one that, you know, was actually said right there. And that's where I believe that we can live on our own. I believe just so you're nowhere because we need to do a part two, clearly. Um, I believe that we live in heaven or hell right here on this earth right now, based on what's going on upstairs and the story that we're telling ourselves about the reality that's going on around us. Right. And I'm not going to get it. I I don't know enough to know about the cosmos and the universe. I ask questions and that's what we're here for. I don't, I believe I don't know anything, which is also why I'm, I'm hesitant to say absolutes. um, Even though, like you said, if there is no absolutes, it's an absolute fucking loop. So, and there's another story. Um, But I want to thoughts on that. Because that is one of my favorite things, and there's a whole long conversation. And I tend to come from from a spiritual standpoint. That quote kind of says exactly where I come from. Everything that we want is inside, and that's how we connect with above. And it actually talks about that in the Bible. So yeah, I'll let you go. I will. I will say this. Um, I will need to look into the context of that verse more, and we will definitely have you back on for part two. And um, I will have a much better answer to that. Here's what I would say in a two minute summary of that, based on what I do know. Um, there's this thing, and I know you know about this, there's this thing called quantum physics, right? And quantum oh, yeah. physics basically says that everything in the universe is connected because quantum physics is something we don't understand. But for those people that are listening, let me dumb it down to you in one sentence, okay? Quantum physics basically says that a subatomic particle, which are the things that make up atoms, right? Like the really tiny, minute little things that we don't understand, that a subatomic particle can be both a physical state and a energy state at the exact same time. All right. That means that it can literally be energy, energy all over the world and physical at the same time. So that means the table that you are you know, at right now, the, the AirPods or whatever it is that you're listening, you, me, we're all connected. Everything is connected, right? So at the center of all of that, if everything is connected, we're all connected universally. There not, needs to be something at the center of that. And I believe that the center of that is love. And I also believe that God is love. All right. So I believe that the center of the universe, the center of everything. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're going to be like, bro, we, we, we agree. We believe. <laughs> I know. I know. Hold on. Hold on. But, 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 Nick, I will make a differentiation here. Hold on. Hold on. All right. I know. I know, I know you're going to say that. Okay. Listen. So I believe that the center of everything is love. And I believe that God is love. Right. So yeah. I also believe that God via the Holy Spirit is with inside of us. Right. I believe that in the Trinity, I believe God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are three in one. God at the head, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. So the kingdom of heaven being inside of us, I believe that God is everything. God is everywhere. God is all knowing. God is all powerful. God's in heaven. God is here on earth. Okay. So if God is inside of us and the kingdom of heaven is inside of us, when we die, our conscious mind or you know our consciousness our soul is going to go on to what i believe to be heaven or the next life whatever you want to call that and i believe that that next life heaven 
the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is already inside of us because God is already inside of us and God, God is at the center of everything. I will need to get you more context on that verse in the next conversation, but to clarify what I mean by that, okay, God is at the center of everything. God is love. Love is at the center of everything. You're like, yeah, we believe the same thing. There's a fundamental difference between what you and I believe because of what we said earlier and what I asked you, which is you do not believe. And once again, I'm not saying this is necessarily right or wrong. It's just what I believe as of now, based on what I know. You do not believe that source, love, the center of everything is a is something that we can have a personal relationship with that cares about us specifically individually. And I do. I believe that I can have whoa, a- Whoa, 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 whoa. Bro, I 100% believe in that. What I don't believe is that it is a human figure. I don't right. picture a guy but, but, with- but, do you, but what you said earlier on the podcast, and correct me if I'm wrong here, yeah. is that you do not believe that we can have a personal relationship with God or the source. No, I definitely never said that. No oh. way. If I did, I completely- would have not no i i talk about my connection with the universe and source all the time but and do you have a personal that. relationship with a loving figure well, I, I guess that the figure yeah, part bro, is, is the, the fucking universe loves you if you love it man it all goes back to my but my does thing. it love you if you don't love it it'll give you whatever you decide to give it to you so that's probably what would come in a little bit i think that it would but you're not going to get what you want out of it right so i fully believe that you can build your connection i always talk about connecting with the universe everywhere even my team all this stuff right um fully connection with it without question. And you can build that connection. And I work on building it, right? We might have different ways of going there. You might pray, you might go to church. I might meditate. I might do yoga. I might sit and breathe. I might sit and admire the trees and the water and the leaves and, and appreciate the abundance of life and sit and share and just feel this connection with it all the way through. But 100%, I did. I, I would have never said that I don't believe you can have a personal relationship with the universe. Because I think that that relationship that you have that, that vision, the more that you trust the universe, the more that you trust what's going on, the better your life is going to be on every single level, which at the end of the day, all we want is love. And I love the amount of quantum physics because I could talk about that for days too. I was trying to keep it. All right, guys, we're going to literally have to do a part two of this a hundred percent. And we're going to talk 100% about religion and God and the universe and discuss Christianity and the God of the Bible versus yep. source and uh, other beings outside of a figurative character with a face and a beard up in the clouds. And, and just so you can know where, where we're going to be coming from with this, so for people listen to part two, where I draw the line, because I agree with a lot of said in the Bible, where I draw the line is the man versions of it, and I draw the line with dogma, and I draw the line with interpretations of it, and I have issues with some of the ways that people take the word, misconstrue it. I also draw the line at, not draw the line, I also would question, and I can't wait to talk to you about this, in, in my, my viewpoint, looking at it, right, when we start looking at heaven and hell specifically, it mm. is exploiting the people by, and you can show me if I'm wrong, where Jesus said this about heaven and hell specifically, other than the kingdom of heaven is within, which it's Luke 17 through 20, by the way, if you want to know where it is. Um, my issue with it is you are fear mongering by telling people that if you don't believe what I say, you are going to go to hell. And uh, the amount of Christians yes. that I know who believe that are, is, is through the roof. So I would love to hear a different version of it and we can go on for days. All right, yeah. I'm going to end it with this final thought on that specific thing. That is probably the single greatest thing that I have struggled with since the death of my brother um, is the concept of heaven right. and hell and is the thing. So it is something that, believe me, I have struggled with as well. I am not an expert on it and I am continuing to study it. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Um, I'm not even, I want to say something so bad, but I, I just can't because it will, I know you and I, and we will go down a rabbit hole that we don't have time for. We've already been on here for like two hours. So, um, there will be a part two. We will specifically talk about God in the Bible. And I would say that, um, for those of you that are listening right now, 
I would love for you to submit specific questions to both of us that I can provide to Nick as well. Um, and that we can kind of get more research and studied up about this specifically, because this is probably one of my favorite topics. If not my favorite topics is that the topic of religion and, and morality and good and evil and, and the God of the Bible and, and whatnot. And, and I'm very excited to, to do about this. So, um, Okay, I'm going to end it there. But guys, contact at thinkdifferentheory.com is the email address or hit me up on Instagram at Josh40 and you can send me a DM with your questions specifically around this and I am happy to uh, provide this to Nick. Nick, before we go into rapid fire questions and wrap up, I do have one more like quick thing that I do want to touch on just because I have you on here and I just, I have to ask you about him. All right, yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> I have to, I got to ask you about yeah. this, all right? Um, first off, what do you think of Donald Trump? Honestly, I think that he is out there and he's doing an amazing job and he's calling out the media and a lot of evil institutions for what they are. Do I love everything he does? Absolutely not. Do I think that he plays the marketing game and he he pushes buttons that he knows is going to piss off a certain amount of people in order to win and in order to continue to be able to call out other people for the greater good? Absolutely. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm incredibly happy with it. How could you not be? As we're sitting here right now, um, unless the left tanks the fucking stock market and, and cheats in the election, which is probably going to happen because there's proof that they've already been doing that for years, right? Um, I am extremely happy with the ways. And, and, and it's sad to me that I can get like, you know, hated on and punched in the face for that. Do I agree with every stuff? No. Do I think that he's a little, you know, reckless? And does, do I think that he says things that bring unite everyone the best? Absolutely not. But do I think he was anywhere as near as divisive as Obama was, even though Obama was more eclipsed? Not even close. Obama started this whole freaking divide. We can go down that route too. But All right. Oh, well, let's not, hold on. Hold on. Let's not go. Let's not go. <laughs> All right. What is your single greatest issue with Donald Trump? So, oof, that's a good question. My single greatest issue. So I think that he, it, it, it would come down to, and I, I see why he's doing it from a marketing and, and standpoint. I think that he could do a better job uniting us and in, in including more people and in, in a little bit less attacking of, of other people come at him. No, I understand why he does it. I don't understand right. the functions um, in, in regards to how much he's attacked and destroyed every single day. That would just be miserable and life would suck. Like, But that would probably be it. But again, for, for what he's up against, I don't think he has any other choice in order yeah, to I agree. Yeah. I don't see a different route to him continuing to um, govern and lead us and do what he's been doing, which is nothing but tax cuts and unemployment rates low and you know stock markets raising to the roof and things getting done and calling out the media. Everyone, most, pe- most people have understood that the media is disgusting for a long time. You and I are marketers. We know firsthand how gross the media is. Most people don't. They hear it. They see the media lying, but they don't get it that the media is truly lying for impressions, clicks. Right. Ads. Just read Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday and I'll change it's your amazing. whole perspective. Oh, well, and Ryan Holiday literally attacks Trump in there. Like he, yeah. He's actually, he, he's not conservative in that book either, but that book is unbelievable. One of my all-time favorites. Unbelievable for sure. Yep. Okay. Last question I have for you about Trump before we move to rapid fire and we'll wrap this up. Yep. Um, I have been known on social media to be pretty vocally supportive of Donald Trump. Um, there's no question about that. I have literally gotten post banned and taken down by Facebook because of it. So, all right. Um, however, I always have to ask myself the question because I want to be fair and I want to really like, like not just blindly follow someone. I've asked myself the question. I'm going to start asking. Yeah. I've started asking guests this question. I understand that our choice right now is Donald Trump versus literally every single person on the democratic side is a complete lunatic. 
outside of maybe Andrew Yang, but he's not going to get elected. Okay. Like Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren are literally complete moronic lunatics that are just have no, have no business being president of the United States. So yes, I understand that is Donald Trump versus them. And that out of those two options for people that think like you and I, the obvious answer is to vote for Donald Trump. Right. However, if that wasn't the case, do you believe that Donald Trump is the best option for president for the next four years? And here's why I asked this question just for a little bit of context. I look at it four years ago. You could have asked me a question. You could have said, Josh, who would you pick to be the president of the United States? You could literally hand select anyone. And Donald Trump would have been one of my top picks based solely on the fact that he did not give a crap and that I don't believe anybody else would have had the balls to turn the economy around and to turn so many things around that needed to be done because I literally believe that Obama and the, the, the things that I'm not completely bashing Obama, there's some things that I like that he did, but as a general rule, I think he was not great for the country, right? Uh, I believe Obama was basically taking our ship and running it into an iceberg. And the only person that was gonna come in there and turn stuff around and get us back to at least the rough direction of where we needed to be was Donald Trump. However, Four years have gone by now. And I've gone, all right, I've got four years of Trump under my belt or three years is going to be four of the next election. Do I need another four years of Donald Trump? Or is there a better option that would more align with my values based on the current situation of America right now that would be better as president? Oof. So based on the current situation, so more align with my values, yes, I can come up with somebody. Now, based on the current state of the situation right. of the present, based, based on the, the way the, the, the media is ran, based on the way Congress is running, based on the way that, that people are, are losing their freaking minds everywhere on the left and, and socialism and, and all this stuff. Off the top, man, I don't think there is. And it's all because of what you said. And this is where, you know, what I was getting to when I said like him. He is not afraid to call people out. He's not afraid to say what so many people have been thinking at the highest level. Most people aren't. Even there's even top ranking Dem or uh, Republicans. Paul Ryan, these knuckleheads, like they're not calling people out. They're just the swamp. I I, t- I tend to agree with that. There's a lot of nastiness. There is nothing. I I'm trying to think now if there's anyone else for the values. Yes, I could definitely find someone who would probably be more aligned with my values. But the only what, good for what they need, man. I it, it's tough because he's the only one tough enough. I don't know how he does what he does. Think about how miserable that would be at 71 years old, just getting attacked. Your your family's attacked. Your kids are attacked. Your wife's attacked for no reason. TDS is a very real thing. Um, it's insanity. You know the fact that we can be having a conversation saying we're positive and we could be looked upon as being racist mongers. I'm like, yeah, I'm real racist. Like it's just yeah, it's it's insanity, right? You know my my girlfriend's from Iraq, like literally. And <laughs> it's just like, what are you talking about? But anyways, but again, if you say that, it was like, oh, well, that's just something white people say. It's like, okay, so what the fuck do you want from me, right? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, like, what do you, what do you want from me? Oh, I, I black. Okay, so I don't have black. What do you, what do you want? Like, anyways, um, we could go down the hall, man. We could have a whole podcast on that too. So I don't think so, man. It, it's right. the only one who's got to have the nuts. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, there's do no you, way I could do what he does. Do you know Trey Gowdy? Yeah. He would be the only person I think that I might pick over Trump. Only right. because Trey, he, Trey does have the balls. And Trey, like... <laughs> Who's the homie? Is that the, who's the eye patch guy from Congress? That dude's my favorite. Um, no, that's but, not Trey. Uh, that's no, 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 no. I know it's not Trey. But who's the the, the dude with the eye patch? Is uh, is a is a badass. I'd have yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name. So I was and it, um, Dan, Dan, uh, Dan something, Kirkpatrick or something. Um, Dan Crenshaw. There you go. Yep. Yeah, Dan Crenshaw. I like a lot of yep. what he says. Again, I need to look closer. 
Um, right now, in a lot of ways, I've removed myself from a lot of politics recently just because it can be so negative and all that. I keep an yeah. eye on what's going on. Um, but uh, I, I do I do like what Crenshaw has said. All right. Stuff. All right. Well, that's enough politics here. We'll have to have, touch on that in another episode, too. We've already gone over two hours, so I want to wrap it up and uh, go to rapid-fire questions here. But I, I literally am already excited for uh, round two of this. This is going to be super, super Oh, man, fun. I can't wait. I've never been able to uh, talk to somebody who comes from – because I do think there's a lot of foundational connections that we come from in regards to questioning life. And I, think I cannot so. wait to get into the specifics of it because I've been looking to have a conversation like this specifically about the Bible for a long time. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. And we'll oh, yeah. have to swap questions beforehand so we can get educated and, and all that yeah. jazz. So, okay. Um, rapid fire questions. Basically, uh, we've, we've gone through, we've done the interview. Now it's just a couple fun questions. And then I ask uh, one question to kind of, uh, that we ask to every single person on the podcast to kind of wrap it up. But before I do that, uh, guys, this has been uh, like Nick Robbins. He's absolutely amazing. As you can see, Nick, where can people find out more about you? Feel free to pitch anything here or like, where can people go to follow you, consume more of your content, learn more about what you do? Yeah, man. So, um, add me on Facebook friends, all that good stuff. Um, Instagram is definitely the best place to connect with me right now at Nick D Robbins. That's N I K D R O B B I N S again, N I K there's no C in there. N I K D Robbins R O B B I N S. That's the best place. I've got a free Facebook group. Um, we didn't even talk about business, but I teach people exactly how to sell, um, close deals, bring people in. It's called Seven Figure Crusader Nation with a K. So those are the two best places to connect. And add me on Facebook. I'm very, I love having conversations and talk with people. Very open to give back and share if you are an aspiring business owner or if you want to just chat. Amazing. We will, guys, we'll link all of those links, uh, Facebook, Facebook group, and Instagram down below in the description of this podcast. So make sure to check them out seriously like nick is just the person you want to know he's absolutely killing it and uh, he's gonna do big things it already has so okay nick rapid fire questions number one uh you fly a lot what's your favorite airline delta delta for sure i love delta yeah um you're a, a guy so i'm guessing you're probably into sports cars do you have a, a dream sports car uh yeah this is gonna sound uh uh what do you call it Whatever, um, black matte black Lambo Huracan. It's downstairs on my on my, uh, my wall. <laughs> the, the the poster boy internet marketer right there. Hundred percent, my man. I don't even care. I want it. That's the thing. Dude, I'm, that's I'm not a huge car guy, really. I drove a freaking BMW i3 booter for a long time, but I want that just as a symbol. It has nothing to do with being cool or anything. It's a symbol of I made it and I can achieve my goals. You know, a hundred percent, dude. My my dream car is a literally Huracan Spider convertible. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go matte black. They're so sick, but like, I don't know, man, I'm a really flashy person. I think I'm going to go like either burnt orange, like tie or bright red or blue, like something douchey for sure. <laughs> so if I was going to go second, it would be, mine would be yellow for sure. I actually like yellow and black with black, uh, black wheels, black rims, things like that. That would be the second one that would come to mind. All right. Well, when we have them, yeah. we'll have to race around and have some fun together. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, bucket list item that you want to do in your life that you have not yet done. You know, um, that's funny. I'm planning on doing it next year, but I want to go on a worldwide religion tour and go study the great religions and go see some of the world's oldest cathedrals, go to Jerusalem, go study Judaism, and then make my way around to the Far East and go study. I've already been to some of the, the big Buddhist temples in Thailand, but I want to go to some of them in China and some of those other areas, and uh, India especially, and do a, a religion tour and really go study and uh, meet some of the, the great religious teachers and just learn more. Um, I'm obsessed with the, the topic because it has, you know, fundamentally shaped humans forever. 
right? And I really love looking at it and seeing what I can learn from because there's a lot of good that can be learned from those religions. Um, at the end of the day, it's also, you know, why every war of pretty much of all time has ever been created as well. So all the love and good and the wars have come from it. So, and it's created the massive influence. I'm obsessed with influence and, and selling and neuroscience. And so I need to study the things that have lasted thousands of years, right? I got to learn about that. I feel like I feel like we should take that trip together. Maybe we can get like three or four cool people and we can all just go hang out for oh, a year. Yeah, man. Let's do it. We're going next year. The world. I I'll like keep that. you. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Yeah, for real, for real though. Seriously. Um, all right. If you ever had the ability to go to space, would you go to space? Absolutely. All right. That's I well, it depends. Like as long as Musk or as long as it wasn't government ran. If it was as long as it was Bezos or, or Elon Musk, then and I would trust it, then yeah, I'd be good. But if the government built it, probably not. Because <laughs> the government sucks, <laughs> just yeah, like everything else. Sucks at everything. <laughs> Leave it to the private market, the free market. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, last question I have for you. This is a question we ask every single person that comes on the podcast. Um, I don't tell you what it is in advance because I just want to know your free flowing thoughts on it. Although I think our head is kind of in this space based on everything that we've talked about. I want you to go and fast forward to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed. All your success, all your fame, everybody that knows you, it's all gone. Nobody knows who you are. However, every single person that you have influenced or touched, either directly or indirectly, so there's a lot of people for you, um, you get to leave them with one final message, thought, word of wisdom. What would that message to them be? Happiness comes from within. Study personal development and open the book and learn how your mind operates and how it works. If you want to get what you want out of your life, it all starts inside. Amazing. Nick. Robbins, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. This has been an absolute blast. I cannot wait for round two. I really appreciate your time. You got it, my man. It's been it's been amazing, dude. And I cannot wait till these next questions. Guys, make sure you ask a lot of questions. I love this. This is going to be fun. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Guys, this has been uh, Think Different Theory with Josh Forty and Nick Robbins. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. That is what we do. That is what we do as free thinkers. We think different. We do it different. And we get things that nobody else can because, well, we're different. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on that you like my stuff and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.